Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Sorry You're In My Seat, a weekly podcast that unites two best friends on a quest to find the greatest movies of all time. I'm your host, Aaron, and each week I have the pleasure of talking movies and films with my best buddy, James. Hello there. And this is episode 172. That's 172 episodes plus a few bonus uh, on all sorts of different movie topics and themes within movies. So sometimes we do director specials, sometimes we take on a genre, sometimes we take on an actor, sometimes we take on what's new that week on streaming services or in cinema. Mate, it's a crazy old ride, hasn't it? 170 episodes and our friendship's still intact. I know. And Barely. <laughs> well, and, you know, like all good relationships, we try and keep it spicy and we can kind of try and keep things changing in the bedroom that is this podcast. Yeah. Sometimes we do TV shows. We do all sorts. Sometimes we get a third in. <laughs> and sometimes James wears leather. Sometimes. But this uh, podcast leaves no stone unturned on the quest to find the greatest of all time. This week, no ex- no exception. We have a whole host of movies to talk about. So the movies that we've seen in the last seven days, are any of them worthy enough of the Sorry You're In My Seat vault, the safe haven for the greatest of all time? Or maybe, maybe, or maybe they're not good enough for human eyes and the consumption of them is, would make you unwell. Yeah. We cast them away in the pit where we never talk about again, unless, you know, we talk about them again constantly. <laughs> and originally I realized this the other day that that pit was inspired by Star Wars, it the Sarlacc's pit, the idea that you throw it in there. And just, but obviously Boba Fett apparently can just climb out of it. So maybe it's not as safe as we thought it was. <laughs> it wasn't. Maybe we need to do something else with that pit. Where is somewhere that no one goes... Sure, any senders, they'd go to Spain. <laughs> no one ever came back from Spain. It, it's just a chance for us to, to I, I don't know, get rid of the worst of all kinds. So good movies into the vault, bad movies into the pit. So uh, this week we've got a little. We're all over sorts, really. We're, it's November. It's that weird time. It's what do you watch in November? Because Halloween's done. Christmas isn't here yet, and no one wants to be that person who's watching Christmas movies in November, do no. you, James? No, you? God, no. I'm, I'm more than certain people listening to this are like, I watch fucking Christmas movies in December. Yeah, they've already November. got their tree up, mate. Scum. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> <laughs> but not this podcast. Do you know what? I think I've nailed it, mate. I think I know where November is. So I don't know if you if you're a fan of of the documentary. Now, I went through, I like a documentary. I like mm. a, an awkward, odd couple sort, you know, Ruby Wax meets. So obviously, that's come up on the anniversary where she had that horrendous hour where she spent with Donald Trump when he was just a psychopath and not a presidential psychopath. It's been really good to get back into them. Untold on Netflix, do sports documentaries yeah. about um, individual events. There's been this, the latest one was ice hockey and crime. Do you know what, mate? For an hour and 20 minutes, I was so engrossed. It was brilliant. Followed up with basketball. The, uh, the Malice at the Palace. And I'd seen shots of this fight and I'd never actually knew the story behind it. It was grossing, insightful. It doesn't take sides. It tells you how it is. It's not afraid to ask questions that maybe, you know, you wouldn't. It was brilliant. I'm starting to feel documentaries because as I recall, the first documentary that you ever inspired me to watch was around November when we were running out of ideas between Halloween and Christmas and that was Blackfish. And that's always kind of stuck mm. with me. Maybe, maybe documentaries, maybe use November to tickle that brain, tickle that lobe. I'm amazed that there isn't a streaming platform dedicated to true crime. That would be brilliant, yeah. Because that's that's like Netflix's bag, isn't it? It's like, <laughs> like just so much true crime documentaries on there. Well, on there, there's the second season, obviously, of The Tiger King. Yeah. And I'm just sat there going, how? I haven't watched it because I don't want to buy into it. It was just like the second series of Making a Murderer. How? <laughs> how? You... You've told me that he didn't do it in the first series. It's the, it's the second series. Maybe he did. <laughs> Netflix will milk that cow, James. <laughs> if, if there's a sequel to be had, they will make it. But a lot of people haven't come back for take. But he's still in jail, so I'm not really sure what the story's going. But someone out there, is it worth a watch? I don't know. 
I got really into it, but it's a lockdown thing. When I think of the Tiger King, it reminds me of not being able to leave my house. It certainly hasn't got the hysteria that season one had. Oh, and, God, no. and I think everyone's just waiting for the Nick Cage kind of it's spoof been, documentary. It's been cancelled. Is it? It has been cancelled. Yeah, they came well, out. I'm, I'm cancelling Christmas then. <laughs> All right, Netflix, take that. Nicholas Cage can't save it. That does not be made. <laughs> no, Nick Cage will probably make it with his own camcorder and his, <laughs> and his own targets. <laughs> yeah, that actually sounds about right, yeah. Um, anyway, other than that, how are you? I'm good. Yeah, I've had a good week of watching movies and we went to the cinema. We did. We watched the, the movie Eternals after long debating whether or not we should go watch it or not because it just wasn't screaming out, go to the cinema. No. When we got in there, I really wasn't looking forward to it. I said to you we should have gone and seen Dune because I'd rather have sat there for three hours and rewatched that. <laughs> but we went and then off the back of that, there's, uh, as we're going to get into when we start talking about Eternals in a few minutes, um, I got swept up in the what happened to Angelina Jolie phase, you know. Mm. Um not that she's gone away. I mean, she just wears many hats, many humanitarian hats and focuses on other things other than just acting. But it, I, I was this, I don't know, it was refreshing to see her on screen. It and was. someone that I've grown up watching. And as I found film, found myself fascinated with some of the films that she's been in. And uh, so I went back and we watched some Angelina Jolie movies. So uh, my theme this week is very much around Angelina Jolie. Oh, I'm yeah. just going to start calling her AJ, I think. That's very cool. Just to make it easier. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so we'll probably just ask some questions around like, what iconic roles, mm. fantasy casting, what would you put her in, that kind of stuff. That's cool. So, yeah, it's very uh, Ange focused this week. For you, for me, mm. it's smorgasbord, mate. It's, it's films that have got links to lots of different things, but I'm looking forward to them. I like to think of it as best bits. <laughs> so we talk Did about- you watch a Vin Diesel movie? Yep. <laughs> I'm not having best bits. <laughs> well, it's because I watched, my link is because I rewatched LA Confidential this week, but obviously I'm saving that for a bigger episode. But Guy Pearce, and Guy Pearce is also in the film Bloodshot, which yep. is how I got to Vin Diesel. <laughs> so yeah, everything links, mate. Just like we were talking about Game of Thrones, and you've been talking about it for, for I'm, it's fair to say years. I did it with The Shield, and you finally watched The Shield. Yeah. And I've finally taken up on you after not the Game of Thrones episode, but before that. Well, actually, in the Game of Thrones episode, we were talking about Stephen Delane. Great actor, British. He was in a TV series called The Tunnel, which you mm. raved about. And I've finally given that a go. Should we start there? A start at Peter. So it's a remake of The Bridge, which is this Danish, uh, Swedish, where there's a murder on a bridge. Never seen it. And I know everyone was raving about it. The cross country. Um storyline because this has also been on America and Canada I think I don't understand how that would work because the Canadians wouldn't care <laughs> they'd be like oh yeah, <laughs> yeah bad Canadian fans. cheers thanks uh, it's been great um, so this one's the, the channel tunnel a body is left directly in the middle of the divide halfway through there half of the the legs are in England and the body and upper is in France well let's meet uh, let's meet our lead detective Stephen Delane is the affable fool, not the affable fool, a gentleman, kindly, waves at kids. Not in an inappropriate way, because my favourite bit is when he waves a kid and kisses his finger up and he gives a genuine laugh, and I thought that was absolutely phenomenal. It, mate, stand up the scene for me. <laughs> Just Stephen Delane having a laugh. But uh, Clement's posy, mm. as the uh, socially awkward French detective, mate, nothing gets past her. Uh, she plays uh, Elise, and let's be honest, Elise is one of the best detectives to ever be put on film. She's brilliant. She knows it, mate. Yeah. She doesn't have the social skills, but she doesn't need them because she gets the job done. What follows is a cat and mouse game between a killer trying to prove his point with five tableaus, five rules of which to guide. And they're all horrible. And each one is tense and makes a bigger impression on the next. So what you've got is he starts off with uh, justice must be equal to all, but it isn't. So he proves this by, I'm not giving any spoilers away, by killing two people from different worlds. And then it moves on to other things. And then every time you think it can't get worse, it gets worse. 
with an ending that I nearly text you about at like three in the morning that was heartbreaking, yet earned it. Season one ending. Season one ending. It took me to a place where I, I haven't finished it. I'm, mm. I've just finished series two. Uh, I, I don't know how this is going to be a series three because I'm emotionally done, mate. <laughs> I'm drained. I need to give it a bit of a rest break. But season one is quite possibly, it's in the same vein of Messiah, which I don't know if you remember the TV series, was phenomenal and brilliant. I loved Messiah. Messiah gave this really, it, you got involved, it was a Ken start, and it was really good to see the police like hunt this killer that was better than them. And the idea that you have insights, but you still can't get anywhere because it's completely by random. What's the link? The tunnel does very well, but also does a great job of the banter between law, the law enforcement officers from two polar opposite countries. So you've got France constantly making jokes, you've got Stephen Delane, the constant movement of back and forth in the tunnel. The tunnel itself becomes a character because there's not a episode goes by where there's not a tunnel. Uh, uh, Stephen Delane's character, uh, Carl, doesn't have the greatest family life but he's piecing it together as he goes. Can't keep it in his pants, James. Can't keep it in his pants. He's got five kids from three different mamas. And do you know what? Uh, no spoilers, but when a certain actor came into it, I was like, done. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> so I was like, but I didn't know how we got there. And that's the most important thing. Mm. The shock isn't who it is. The shock is why. And I'm just going to say as well, that actor comes in suspiciously towards the end of series yeah. one of Dexter <laughs> as the as the prosthetic surgeon. <laughs> I and wonder like, who it is. Who is it? <laughs> um, so, it, but also he's in the True Detective series too. Do you remember when he showed right? I said, yep. he's, the only one I rec- I, he's the only one I remember from anything ever. So he's got to be the killer. Turns out he was. <laughs> so he's done it three times for three seasons. But um, absolutely great. What I really loved about it as well is the pacing. It, everything's go, everything's great. And it's got great uh, performances, like I said, from uh, Stephen Delane and Clarence Posey. It's even got Miss Britain herself, um, whose name I've not written down because I'm an idiot. Miss, who, uh, well, you got Keely Hawes. Keely Hawes is fantastic. Mm-hmm. When Keely Hawes shows up and she's not the main person, I was devastated, mate. I was devastated. I love, Keely Hawes automatically gets a thumbs up. I love <laughs> Keely Hawes, she's fantastic. But what you've got is you've got a great series here. I know it's only three series and they they ended it after three series with a, with I've heard this with an ending to say that there are no more sequels. Yeah. So I'm, I don't know what's happening because the first one ends in such a way as like, I didn't think you could top it. The second one, there was a scene on the third episode, which I thought I didn't see coming. I think I saw it coming 10 seconds before, but that doesn't count. <laughs> when they're walking into the building, you go, that's it. Mm. <laughs> but it was actually fantastic. It's a series that's really near to the knuckle. Doesn't, it's not afraid to take chances. It's not afraid to play with your emotions and it does. And it's got great supporting characters. And I really like the idea that half of it is in, because obviously they filmed it with uh, studio, uh, channel, stu- studio Channel and Sky. So they split it 50-50. So it's half French and it's half British and they don't fade away. They're not catering to like British audiences. Mm. A lot of it is in French. You see the subtitles. It was magnifique. It was, it was you know, well played. The first episode is really good because when that body appears in the Channel Tunnel, you know, like uh, Stephen Delane's character's car kind of turns up at the crime scene and he's like, sure. he's like, French, you can have it. You yep. can have it. And it's only because the half that is in England is, in, is, is, is a is French body. Uh, no, it's English. Oh, no, no it's, it's a French, te- it's a French torso in English's water, in England's water. And it's, and it's a Englishman on the French, so they have to work together. Mm. And I thought that was the real good selling point because Stephen Delaney turns up and he's like, yeah, you could have this. Yeah. You don't have it. I'm not really that Why wouldn't you though? Just and, less work. Yeah, and Clemens Posey's Elise is, is like by the book and he's like straight away. She's, he's, so, she's so unlikable that you like her. Yeah. You're like, oh, no one likes her. She's the plucky underdog despite the fact that she's better than everyone in this. And so it becomes a reluctant 
pairing to begin with because mm. it's like, oh, now it's an international case. It's a, you know, Brit died abroad technically, even though it's like half a metre. I thought it was a really good setup, really good storyline. And and it, I haven't seen the original I have The Bridge. But apparently it's even better. But yeah, I think it went on for longer seasons as well. So they must, they must veer off on different tangents because... Like I say, the third season, I, I the tunnel season one is epic. Season two, I thought was really good. The third one is short. I think it's only it's half the amount of episodes. Six episodes. The only yeah. reason I know this is because I've got it lined up, but I, I needed a break because the first one, the, so the first one I found quite addictive. I found it very hard to put mm. down, and then the second one, I was like, it's like it can't start. Off, but it, it pretty much starts off straight away, like yeah. kind of the ballsy. The third one kind of takes a leaf out of Luther's book, and you get a, you get a villain in it the Pied Piper storyline oh so you have like a bit of a theme to it um but yeah watch the third one next week let me know or text me even if it's three in the morning because <laughs> it is it, it ends like I didn't think it was going to end now it ended I was like shit it's good it's nice to see that though and I, do you know what I'm, I'm one of these people that likes it when you borrow an idea from another mm. country it obviously worked famously in the bridge because I, even I heard about the bridge mm. worked into the tunnel I, I think it was still called the bridge in in the American one but I've heard about this it's just like the killing the killing was this huge Scandinavian thing. It like blew up and then we had, you know, that everywhere. So I only saw the American version of the killing. I saw both. And I remember because they all have shitty sweaters in all of them. <laughs> yeah, that was a big thing, wasn't it? The cardigan yeah. thing. Because I remember in the killing, the lady that played the main role in the Scandinavian version, cameos in it. And she wears one of those sweaters, uh, the jumpers. Um, as I recall, there's, there's like a political element, isn't there? Isn't like there's a politician running for re-election as well at one point? Because that's... I, I'll be honest, I liked the killing, but I don't remember that much. Well, it's it. like one, it, like it's a, it's a murder that takes two seasons to resolve. Like at the end of season one, they don't solve it. It, it goes into season two. Like, remember the person they arrested at the end of season one? Well, here's a new piece of evidence. You're like, are we still on this case? <laughs> like, it just keeps going. <laughs> it, it, I did, I did like it though. I did like, um, it, it's obviously Joel Kinnaman, kind of the first thing that yes. I remember seeing him in. Um, and then him and I cannot remember the lady's name that's starring the killing. They are now in Amazon's Hannah together. Oh, right. Cool. So they've been repaired, Joel Kinnaman and I can't remember. I'll have to find her name. Um, we didn't know we'd start talking about this. <laughs> yeah, I didn't make any notes on the killing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the ton of awesome TV series. Let's jump into some movie talk then. Let's go uh, to our little uh, date that we had the other night mm-hmm. when on a Wednesday evening, we went to watch all what? two hours and a half of uh, Chloe Zhao's Eternals. Can I just say that I'm going to put this all out of there now. When you told me it was two and a half hours, as we walked into the cinema, I threw a paddy. <laughs> you did. You did. And it is two and a half hours. I mean, the movie stars Gemma Chan, Richard Madden, Angelina Jolie, Salma Hayek, Kit Harrington, Kamal Nanjian, uh, Brian Tyree Henry. It's got Barry Keegan. Keegan or Keegan. Keegan. Yep. Uh, it's got uh, Liam McHugh. It's got Lauren Ridloff. It's it's huge. It's, huge cast, mate. it's got uh, Mai Dong Seok from uh, Train to Busan, MVP in that movie. So yeah. I'm really glad to see that he's transitioned his way across. You've got voice acting from Bill Starsgard in it. It's Skarsgard. phenomenal voice acting as well. Yeah. I didn't realise it was him until we were sat there waiting for the inevitable Marvel after scene credits. And then it was like, and I told you, I was like, when was he in it? And you know, I did a voice. I was like, of course he's a fucking voice. And, and it's got maybe one of the most random post-credit scenes with the actor that they've, well, I'm not even saying actor, actually. This goes back to my point about <laughs> apparently anyone could be an actor nowadays. Yeah, uh, You don't have to do three years at drama school in some prestigious New York or LA Academy 
you could just be an actor. You know, um, when, you know when you type in Eternals, he's the first person that comes up as well. Oh, so it's not it's, a spoiler. It's, it's, it's like it's like the worst spot. If you, I typed Eternals to get my notes up, just do a quick because I was sick of saying people's name wrong. So I wanted to get Wikipedia up so I could get their names, and he was listed first. Oh, right. the, it's like Google number well, one. I still won't say because it's a post credit <laughs> scene. And then there's a second post credit scene which is much more exciting. So do stick around. Two post credit scenes. Anyway, Eternals. Um, going into this movie, the big question was. So the setup, the trailer, everything we know, these Eternals came back at the dawn of man. They've been on Earth. They've helped us. They've kind of, at times, helped societies and um, humans progress and evolve yeah. to the point that we're at now. And they are trying to destroy... The deviants. The deviants, yes. These uh, alien, parasitic creatures. Just that, the deviants. Yes, that's all they're here to do. They're not here to interfere in any war, anything that is, um, you know, Thanos or anything like that. They have one job and one job only. In the scene yeah. where they turn to the camera and go... That's why. <laughs> yeah, and, and to be fair, Kit Harrington addresses that very early on. Good on him. He's like straight away the second he realizes what an eternal is and that they've been here for seven thousand years. Fuck were you? Yeah, and then German Chan basically just goes, "Not my problem, mate." It's my, Done with you. Not my job. Is is the, is the kind of response? Fair play. Now I think they got around that pretty well. They do. They do sell this idea around. They're not. They're not here to interfere with anything else. Because the other question is, well, where were they during World War Two or World War One or yeah. any of the great wars that have happened or any of the um, horrible terrorist attacks that have happened? So it, they have to stick by this. Uh, they've wanted to. They show a series of flashback scenes, but they, certain members of the Eternals really have wanted to intervene, and one of them has to always pull back and say, "No, we are here to stop deviants only." They stop the deviants. And then they become dormant. They 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 try and blend in with us. You know, they all get day jobs. One works yeah. in a museum. You know, one. I mean, God, what if you were that powerful? Well, you wouldn't, would you? You'd well, just be like, I'm going to go be God for a bit. And, <laughs> I'm going to go to this village that no one's ever heard of and just be God for for a year or two. The easiest way to sum up the Eternals as well is just imagine Power Rangers meets Justice League, because that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> to you, it's like they're all auditioning. It's like. There's a fast one. There's a Superman one. There's a Batman one. Yeah, there literally is all those things. They've all got like a different superpower. They haven't, you know, but one is clearly Richard Madden's character in it, who's, um, what's his name? Icarus. Icarus. The boy who flew too close to the sun. So they've all got names as well from Legend, which I really liked. Yeah. I really like that. It's also really weird that, and this is no spoiler because it's in the trailer, but Gemma Chan's character is Cersei, who is with Kit Harrington, who famously was in Game of Thrones. So there are bits where he's yeah. like Cersei, and I'm like, ah, it's a bit weird. There's a bit of the nose weird. of this. Thank you. Know? you. Yeah. Um, Angelina Jolie plays Fina, you know, one of uh, the, the great warriors of, of its time. There's Kingo, there's Ajax, there's all these different names, characters. They all have different superpowers. And it really is that Power Rangers thing where anyone on their own is okay, but when they're together, they use all their special skills and they basically megamorph into the unstoppable, um, you know, force that is the Eternals. And that's why they should, because they they are they are seen when you see them they are ridiculously powerful and they are the easiest way that they can show you that is so the DC exists in this film because they get mentioned oh you're Superman because Richard Madden is the most powerful ain't no one touching him he, he his mythos is he is the the leader the untouchable the incorruptible he is the man you know he's I there. do like that bit where they're like you're Superman he's like no I don't wear a cape that is it that yeah, is, is he it. even addresses that that is pretty much where you draw the line because <laughs> that's all you need to know. Um, I really like as well what you've got if you've got a great family dynamic. Now, the film is two and a half hours, but it does spend a lot of that time in the past. So we'll see them arrive. I think the opening scene is they arrive in a, you know, in a mud hut. You know, they're there straight away, protect deviants. And then broken throughout the story, they're these peoples like you see them uh, fighting for the people of Babylon. You know, the wars exist in Babylon because the deviants were attacking. They're there for the deviants. There's a lot of love there. 
I really liked the storytelling element, you know, of a grand tale. I think it works. And mm. after seeing Dune a few weeks ago, I'm really into my grand films at the minute. And it did give itself kind of a grand feel. Yeah. Especially when when you open the storyline a bit more. So I'm not a comic book fan, you're not a comic book fan. I don't really know what a celestial is. No. But I know that there's some type of god. You see one. And I'll be honest, a little fucking annoying. It looked are inspiring to the point that I want to see that in the future. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm looking forward to the MCU with that type of element in it because Stars God, mate, blew that out of the water. His voice was phenomenal. I, I got chills in the chair. Yeah, it is an incredible visual movie. And we talked about this for a long time, that one of the things that gets quite tiresome about uh, the MCU or, or comic book movies is... Uh, New York being destroyed. Yeah. Uh, and and now it's San Francisco. So you get the San Francisco unit of the MCU with Ant-Man, Venom, you know, those characters. Avengers 2.0. Yeah. yeah and uh, Shang-Chi that we talked about. So, uh, and then you get Gotham's and, and Metropolis. I get that. This is world building because it is across the world. It's multi-location shot, multi-continent shot. It is filmed in places with great big sweeping landscapes. So, Salma Hayek's character has basically retired to a ranch in this kind of Montana landscape. I don't think he's Montana, where, but... Where she's growing fuck all. Yeah, but it's <laughs> sweet, it's beautiful. And it is, Chloe Zhao, I mean, if you've seen, um, oh, uh, she won the Oscar, um, oh, uh, Nomadland, uh, you can very much see that it's it's in that vine and ilk of what she does. And some does of the locations best. look exactly the same. It's yeah. like, I know what a film. But it, is, it is beautiful. It is stunning. And um, so I think it's shot particularly well. The story is Marvel mechanics. You mm. know, it is um bad guy. Okay, so what makes this bad guy worse than the last bad guy? Or, you know, and it is two and a half hours. So you know that by the time the super team has formed, there's going to be a backstory. One of them is probably harboring a secret that's going to come out. And it has enough layers to it to keep me engaged. And this is the first type movie in a long time. When we went into the third act of the movie, I genuinely thought, I don't know how they're going to solve this. Mm. It, it, it is a, they, they, they come up a conundrum, James. The, the villain isn't a villain per se. There's a moral dilemma, which I don't think you've ever had in the MC. You know, Iron Man didn't decide between, you know, killing a thousand children and Pepper Potts. This is like, bigger than scales. And I just gonna say, it's a very decent morale. I came out of the cinema going, well, what would you do in that situation? Yeah, it's not selfish choice. Let's it's, just yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, but it, like, it's the first time I remember the MCU was like forcing you to think, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't boom, boom explosions, which are in there. And I, to be honest, I quite liked the fight scenes because they were different. Is something that maybe DC should have done with their super, you know, when you watch that, when I saw Madden flying around using his laser beams, I was thinking, that's what's missing from Man of Steel. He should have done that a bit more. Um, but what's really good is the moral dilemma and it, it doesn't sugarcoat it. It's like, I like the fact as well that no one kind of decides at the end, it just happens mm. because they, they're theorizing, they're debating. And it's about the existence of humans as well. It's like, who do we live for? You know, the mission or, you know, they're beings from outer space. Who are they loyal to? But they spent 7,000 years with humans. Mm. So some of them have changed and other ones, you know, believe that there's a greater role that they must play. Do you know what? I, I've, the moralizing was brilliant in this and so different from, you know, I'm comparing it to like Ant-Man. They're all great films, but this film was less about the action and more about the choices and, and the dialogue and what, what wasn't being said, which uh, Chloe Zhao did phenomenally well. Yeah. Um, I really loved the moralizing in this film. I was a big moral, moral whore in this one. Loved it. And there's also, uh, there's loads of things in it that are really, really interesting. Like at the end of it, there is, there you know, it's no spoiler that one of them has an ideology that maybe the others don't agree with. But then one of them is just like, not my fight. Yeah. It just leaves. And yeah. you're like, doesn't, doesn't even want to take part make in it. the just... final cut of the, like, the, the end sequence. And you think, 
that's really different and it, and it did break the mold it, it, not only that but it, it also is probably the most inclusive of the mcu uh universe you have um superheroes that are gay you have one that is deaf you know they it, it doesn't but they, they it's not in your face kind of like mm. put in there to be woke of, or to be anything kind of makes sense because maybe that's where sign language came from she's mm. been here for seven thousand years maybe that's where it came from and then you know a representation of all of like humanity it's different races that that's probably they were probably sent for that reason that kind of thing so you know you could band together you know like mm. and i'm really yeah everything on it is layers upon layers but and this can sound really weird mate because i hate when a film gets destroyed because of what it brings to the mcu the little nods in this are fantastic like without going to spoilers there's a you know it, they mention other things in a humorous way brings them in which would have been cool to see mm. and I, I i'm trying to keep all these best moments because obviously people have turned on this film they don't like it i i i think this is a little gem this movie I, I, it's not a little it's a huge multi-million pound <laughs> uh box office smash but I, I i think this is a really good really strong mcu movie i want to see movies in the mcu like this where it is uh you know the thread that's holding it together is the director they've brought on and the genre that they're putting this in you know we talked about that there should be a horror movie mm. um in the mcu and doctor strange it's is, one of us that is probably going to be the closest we get we've wanted animation we've got animation you know you think of a movie like logan how it was a pretty much a western yeah. you, you know and, and uh, james mangold like the helm of that this movie like this is what you want you don't want a director to come along and a writer to come along and goes yep yeah, cool i know how to write a marvel movie and i know how to shoot a marvel movie this is way more interesting yeah, and a, a different. So when Taika Waititi came on, he obviously brought his style of humor. Of course, that's probably the big one. I forgot. Um, Zhao brings the grandiose. You know, I love this. My favorite part of No Man Land is when nothing's happening. Mm. You know, it's kind of like the background, like the the drawn looks. I liked elements of this film. I do think it's a bit too long, and I do think it could have ended multiple times. <laughs> but the fact that it doesn't works in its favor. I believe. I, I really like the, the like the march forward. However, there's a bit in the middle that you could cut out. You could limit a bit. There's a bit about the deviance that I don't like that happens about two thirds into the film. I was like, you just add in, you've got this great pie and you're just adding more stuff to it. It was like, just let it sell. <laughs> it was too much, too much. Mm. But that's just me. There's go but I found, I think why people are maybe discriminated is because it's not what they were expecting. I don't think maybe they, maybe they were drawn on the idea that it was going to be kind of uh, like a Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, they were unknown comic books. They don't really know the mythos. I thought it did a pretty good job of, Settling my nerves in is a different film. It's not an action film at all. No. It's, it's more of a thinkers. But at the same time, the action scenes aren't bad. I particularly loved the final fight. I thought that was very good. Enjoyed that. Angelina Jolie, going back to the point of going away and like watching a few of her movies this week, I think really steals a lot of it. She comes in as somewhat the veteran of the actors. Yeah, and probably and the biggest her, name. Yeah, that's what I said. That her, that's her role. And obviously, of the people that you've mentioned, Athena the warrior goddess of war that's the one you remember anyway so it's kind of like perfect casting i think it really is it really perfect casting the stunts the fight scenes the choreography her way of fighting in this movie is it's as it's as aggressive and deadly as it is beautiful and, and interesting to watch it's it's a really really good performance i think other than that as well um brian tyree henry is fastos mm. fastos i was also just brilliant in this movie as the engineer the thinker yeah gets his hands dirty and, and you know there are scenes where he's like you know you're making me do this kind of thing very dirty at one and, point. <laughs> yeah and he kind of enjoys it but he is at the most part the thinker the engineer and um the one that's maybe i don't know torn between humans and them being brilliant and beautiful 
but also destructive and evil. He's got reason to fight, hasn't he? Whereas a few of them are like, they're moral. He's like got an actual reason. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. Do, do you know, I think the casting as well was pretty spot on. I think Richard Madden was brilliant in a kind of leading role performance. Um, I think that's him, his audition for a lot of the other films. Sam, Sam Hayek as the mother, I thought was phenomenal. And there's a scene where she goes kind of up against Angelina Jolie and mate, I was wishing the whole film was that. I was like, I've never wanted anything so bad. Just have a two hour fight. Mm. Doesn't happen though. But the standout performer for me, uh, Gemma Chan. Yeah. She yeah. she holds this brilliant with, with a gravitas, a seriousness. I believe she was an individual that had lived for 7,000 years. You know, she had that kind of, that quite calming presence on the screen. But there's a question that she asks herself throughout the entire film. But she never, like, shrinks in the role. I thought she held it quite well. A film that was going to get its critics, I thought she was marvellous, in fact. I, I don't understand why. I thought she was f- phenomenal leading in character. I thought she was brilliant. She holds her own against all of these other characters. You know, she's up there with Sam Hayek. Mm. You know, she's up there with Richard Madden, who's, like, going to be the big blister, Kit Harrington. They're all, like, fever pitch. People are screaming for these people, but I thought Gemma Chan was perfect for this role. Uh, absolutely fantastic. Is it Don Lee as well? Oh, no, it was uh, Kumali Nanjini's Kingo. Yeah. I thought he was brilliant, but Gigglemish, mate. I loved uh, Don Lee. I thought he was phenomenal. Just kind of like this big powerhouse. It was fun to be with. There's a scene where they're all having like a Sunday dinner together. And to me, that was the, one of the standout moments because I believe they're a family. I really liked it. I was like, what are they going to do? Well, I'm interested. Mm. I really liked it. And, the, and then and again, they're not in a New York apartment or a, no. a super headquarters. They're in the arsehole of nowhere. Like, like they could be anywhere. That could have been Mongolia. That could have been, I don't know. They're just yeah. in a... <laughs> Run down house, Place. yeah, because they don't need it. Yeah, it's really humble. It's a good movie. It is a very good movie, uh, and I really like the implications for future movies, which I hate. So that's a good thing, you know. It's turning on. I really hate thinking about future, but really liked it. And the ending, I'll be honest, I really enjoyed that. And uh, certain elements, certain scenes, like I say, stand out for me. And what I'm really looking forward to is the scenes with like the Celestials because they seem badass. Mm. I'm really looking forward to them, and I, I don't really know how that's going to work. I said that to you. I was like, I don't know how they get into this, but they've got to be in it more. Yeah, I, I don't know how you're going to go up against one of them if <laughs> if, if it comes back and he's like, I'm going to give, you, man, some, I'm gonna give you, go. you some spanking because <laughs> they they be big, <laughs> and also they've. Yeah, I'm not going to spoil the territory. There's loads. There's loads to unpick with this movie. So if you haven't seen the Tills, it is still out of the cinema. If you've got the Disney app, no doubt it will be on there soon. But um, give it a go. It's long, but it is is stunning. I really enjoyed it. Mm. And that's the most I can say, because I thought it was going to be crap. Really didn't want to go watch it, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, bro. That's two for two with Marvel. Shang-Chi that we reviewed last week. I loved that movie. I thought that movie was so solid, and I'm glad that I watched Eternals. Yeah, I am too as well, because the idea of missing it, and also, just quickly, I think you need to see it on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, if you can. Because I, I saw Shang-Chi on the small screen, and the scene where they have a map, I was like, I really wish I'd seen that on the big screen, because that would have looked epic. So where do we want to go from here? Well, you've got the Angelina Jolie stuff, mm-hmm. and I've got the Smorgasbord of Terror. Okay. How many Smorgas items? I've got five. Fuck, oh, you may as well get busy. going then. Well, let's start off with, let's start off, mate, with The Best of Enemies, 2019. Directed by Robin Bissell, starring Tajiri P. Helson and Sam Rockwell. In 1971, a school for black children is burnt to the ground. Mother, The mother of the children, uh, that's uh, played by Tajiri, uh, she's she's uh, wondering what's going to happen to them. Their kids have nowhere to school. Now, on the polar opposite of that, Sam Rockwell is a father and president of the local KKK chapter and worries that the black children will attend his children's school. The UCLA file a lawsuit and it is decided that a mediator will be assigned to the case. The first thing they want to do is bring these two polar opposites together and have a discussion. And it's basically about the case, the mediation that happens between uh, the blacks 
and the whites to basically the best for best decision for them. So what is brilliant is the fact that two of Hollywood's most underappreciated actors are finally in a film together. So happy, mate, when I saw this. Sam Rockwell, you know I love him. Tajiri? Uh, Tajiri. Uh, so I knew I was going to say her name wrong. Tajiri Penson. Tajiri Henson, yeah. Tajiri Henson. Um, I was so happy. Watching them act with each other was a great feeling. Like a mother hen, I was proud of them. Aww. And uh, really started to love their back and forth, especially in the early parts of the movie when they just hate each other. Because you know there's going to be some growth in this film. But when they're, at, they're at, when they're at their best, they're just screaming at each other. However, a third way into this heavy 133-minute runtime, Tajiri is misplaced and fades away, with the focus being on Rockwell as he starts to understand the error of his ways. Spending all the time with the racist, think of it like a right-wing version of the Brady Bunch. It's normally fine, but not when the story should be about the landmark human rights issue. We get white saviour complex quite in your face. Really irritating. Uh, when we are introduced to Rockwell's wife, played by Anne Hesh, I realised I was watching Green Book with a slightly different story. <laughs> Anne Hesh's character is the near exact same as Linda Cardinelli, who played uh, the wife in Green Book. Uh, the runtime is also a huge letdown for the film. With over two hours of movie, they fail to deliver any real story for the black community or the characters. The ending is drawn out and feels flat with very little payoff. While this film has very good performances, great set pieces, and is in parts actually a quite a very good watch, the tone, duration, and overall message were poor to the point of tastelessness. What could have been a great viewing experience was a bang average one, leaving you thinking, what could have been? Oh, that's a shame because when when you set this up, I was like, I've never heard of this movie. Yeah, where is it? Because that is on my watch list this week. Like that's where I started with that review because that cast is pretty solid. I'm a big Sam Rockwell fan. I watched a so you know when you get like so I got a Samsung Telly. Yeah, and there's like free apps that load up, <laughs> yeah. and there's like straight to DVD Hallmark movies just pop up. And the other week, like there was a Sam Rockwell movie where he was, he was a basketball coach and I was hooked, James, because he is great. And it was a straight to like DVD kind of movie. Um, Tajari P. Henson is, is awesome. He's a powerhouse. I've also looked at this list. You've got Wes Bentley in it. You do have Wes Bentley, but I'll never forgive Wes Bentley for Ghost Rider. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true, actually. Yeah, Everyone's got a death note. Everyone's got a death note. And it's also got, um, as you say there, it's got um, Anne Heysha in it, who it was, I haven't seen for, since like seven days and seven nights when she when the best acting she ever did was with Ghost Harrison Ford because I believed that she didn't kill him. I was like, oh, I would have done. Well, that, After about just, seven seconds. I just remember that Psycho remake. Yeah, because she played Marion Crane in that. And after the shower scene, unfortunately, the whole world saw her Haitian. <laughs> oh. You do, though, because they really should have cut before that scene happened. Um, <laughs> Very proud of yourself right now, aren't you? Uh, no, you know what? It's, like I say, it's good. It's average, though. It's so average. And, and there's more time. We spend so much time with Sam Rockwell's character. That is, it's like, yeah, we get it. It's like, let's go. What's happening on the other side of town? But you, you know, <laughs> when you're like, it's like someone was character, like the the leader of the KKK. She's the errors in his way. So it's not going to be the other way around, is it? It's not going to be. <laughs> she's, she's, she's like, maybe them K have got a point, you know. But nothing. It doesn't. It's not like a grand. It's not even a slow reveal. It's just like you know, he gets on well with her at the meetings. But then when we go out, we don't follow her or her children. We we go to the pub where everyone says the same thing, you know, the bar, or we go to the repair shop, or we go see their friends. And I was, and then at one point, I was like, "Is this the Brady Bunch?" Because there's a very Brady Bunch feel, but with alt right politics. <laughs> so there you go. Oh, I still might watch it though. I think that is a pretty solid cast. An average film, it's good in part, very good. Mm. And the the two mains don't disappoint, mate. Very good. Yeah, I do think both of them could be put in anything, really. Yeah, I think Sam Rockwell. My own, my disappointment with Sam Rockwell is that he's not in more things, but he does seem to be on a uh, 
wild streak of doing great films, but kind of going underappreciated. Like, I think it goes all the way back to the early 2000s with Moon. Like, no one's barely seen Moon. I love Moon. But that film exists. If you don't like Sam Rockwell, he plays like three parts in it. (laughs) It's Sam Rockwell's film. Um, And then, you know, you know how I feel about uh, three billboards outside of Missouri. Yeah. That was a phenomenal film. Yeah, what about uh, th- one of our favourites is, um, I love it so much I forgot the bloody name of it. Seven Psychopaths? Seven Psychopaths, He's yeah. that as well, yeah. Iron Man he- 2, obviously. Get out. <laughs> <laughs> Green Mile. Yeah. There you go, see. And uh, Sam Rockwell, being more things. My next one. Hit me with another one. Do you want me another one? Right, now we'll go Bloodshot. Bloodshot 2020. Directed by David S.F. Wilson. Oh. Starring... Vin Diesel. Yeah, it does. And Guy Pearce. Yeah, it does. During a mission in Kenya, super soldier Vin Diesel disregards orders and takes on a complex by himself in order to save some hostages. Yeah! <laughs> but upon returning home, he's kidnapped by Toby Kebbell, who kills his wife. And he's then shot in the head. Movie over. You wish. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out a bullet to the head doesn't put him down for good, just mildly annoys him. Dr. Guy Pierce has used microbiotechnology yep. and turned him into an even more super soldier. He meets a crack team of other super soldiers, each with their own wildly different abilities. <laughs> I love that. When you experiment on people, you just get completely different abilities to everyone. Uh, but Vin Diesel is all about family, so it's time to go get some revenge, furiously and quickly. <laughs> It is an odd movie. Have you seen it? Yeah. yeah. The film is chaotic and a trash bag of different ideas that do not mix well. Weirdly, there is actually a solid framework inside the film that would have worked amazingly well in different hands. But this is David Wilson's first feature film and it shows as the film never wraps up rather... Sorry, it never lives up to its promise. It wraps up rather neatly uh, with the film being rather traditional and pedestrian when in the source material you can actually do something quite different and unique. It lends itself quite well. You can also feel the writer of the movie giggling halfway through, through it as he must have written a masterpiece. You could get the sense of smugness because there's a big reveal and I half expected a dun-dun-dun when it's portrayed. Um, it's not a twist. It's not a shock. It's obvious that it's so obvious that it's the second man-made thing visible from space. <laughs> um, this is supposed to be the launching party of a new comic book shared universe, uh, Valiant Comics. Uh, but it's like a party without cake, hollow and bereft of real joy and fun, a soulless festival, a horrid reminder that our time on Earth is forever fleeting. <laughs> I was quite proud of that one towards the end. And this is two hours that you wish you could get back. Oh, mate, it's not good, is it? It's not. I, I, I went into it really wanting to like it. Vin Diesel did this movie. Uh, if you said the past five, done. Oh, no. no, I know which one you mean. It was plays it for the mobster. But it plays like a hitman for the mobster. It was it's it. It's really dark. Yeah, he played, was it Man Apart or something like that? It's Man Apart. Where his wife gets killed at the beginning yes. of it and then he basically goes, and that was a really good movie. And I, I, I you know, because it was like an 80s action like it's like payback with Mel Gibson bloodier yeah, yeah. and, and I, I within these I've always wanted that because it's it's showing that he can do it with the right hands good script you know there is a scene in that movie where you know at the very beginning when the when the villains come into his house at night you know he he, he he's not you know like hiding in the shadows he's walking around the corridors of his house and he, he, he's like you come into my house he's like he's balls to the wall like a threat I always thought he would be great in you were never really here that Rob, that kind of like you know, um, yeah, the silent, the silent one. I don't, and I'm not having to go with Vin Diesel because obviously he made a huge career out of it. And I, you know, I'm some mug who lives in Lincoln, so who's the real loser? But what I'm saying is, is his body, he acts very well with his body. You know, he's menacing, he's a threat. He's, I always thought the silent killer, but in a drama, mm. not an action film. But he, his default is action, and I don't really know why. 
Yeah, it's the Fast and Furious stuff, isn't it? Uh, it's that, I mean, because, you know, like he's, he's, in, he's in Saving Private Ryan, he's in Iron Giant, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. Yep. I'm not going to say he's a bad actor or anything like that, but... Him, he's pretty bad. Bloodshot <laughs> is he's one of the movies where... I, and it's surprising it was a 12 as well, actually. Yeah. I thought this should have been a 15. But what I, don't, what I also don't understand it is, is Bloodshot is essentially unkillable. <laughs> it's like, mm. he's so OP, he's so overvalued. Who was taking him down? Definitely not who the villain is in this film. And if you don't see it coming, you're an idiot. Yeah, so. I know. That's bad, in it? Because he basically resolves his arc in the first act. He's like, he's like, oh, fucking hell, I'm dead. No, I'm not dead. I've got these superpowers. Goes and kills the person that killed him. It's like... But I really like that as an element of storytelling because that's what I meant. If you're in the, I think in the different hands, you might have actually, don't get me wrong, different hands, different writer, different actor. You might actually have something pretty unique and different here. Like the hero that's not a hero. You, you know... Guy Pearson is a bit memento. Memento it up a bit. You know, have that completely it's, backwards kind of story. It's not that far away than just it it, it wants to be an 80s movie like uh, Cyborg, Robocop. Yeah. It wants that feel to it, that nostalgic feel to it, but it's hyper modernized. And my issue was that Sam Hagen comes into it and I just watched SAS Red Notice and I thought, oh, this prick. Not again. And he's probably a lovely bloke. But no. But when you come into it, I was like, oh no, I've been I've been done by you before. <laughs> Recently. Recently. <laughs> yeah. And and it and it didn't disappoint. Guy Pierce, you want more from, don't you? But then again, everyone needs a kitchen. <laughs> you didn't get out of the house, mate. It was locked down. Yeah. <laughs> Just wanted to do something. Uh you're not a good film, is it? No, no, well, I didn't like it. But then it. again, oh, it's one of those things. Is what was I expecting? I was really the framework. The framework's in place to tell a much better story, different, and also take some chances because not many people know the Valiant comic books. When you think comic books, you think Spider Man. You think so. This was different. Uh, in the end, it was the same. And I really don't understand why he glows. I know he glows because of Nano back to Legend, uh, but you could use that for anything. <laughs> there is a good story in there. This idea that you can plant memories, plant ideas, you can reconstruct. That he is a bit indestructible. There's a shotgun scene to the face, that mm. it, again, which is why I thought it'd be a 15. Um, you know, and you see it kind of like reforming and kind of putting together. So he's a bit like Robocop, but meets... Terminator 2. Terminator 2, mm. yeah. Um, it, it, it's, but it is ultimately all over the place. And this idea that he then goes back and resets and, yeah. I don't it's know. just he never noticed that he'd like visibly aged, but he didn't nanotechnology. Which is just quantum physics. Just every... When you watched Ant-Man 2 and all they right. said was the word fucking quantum. Quantum. In this, is it's nanotechnology. I was like, I didn't care. It's like, why don't you just call it bullshit magic? That over is, with. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card, isn't it? Yeah. You, every writer's got them. Nanotechnology, time travel. Time travel. There's just loads science. of science. Wizard. <laughs> there you go, wizard. <laughs> Sonic screwdriver. There's a way out of anything. Yeah, I didn't like this movie that much. Mm. But Vin Diesel is capable of good stuff. And I do think we'll get, you know, we always go back to it. Schwarzenegger in Maggie. That's what you're after, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, I'll always go Stallone and Copland is mine. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'll take either of them. Um, those might, do you want me to go again? Go one more. One more. Do you want... So I've got a good one, a surprising one, and a shit one. Right, tell me your three movies and I'll tell you which one of them they are. Apex. Right. Um, the Many Saints of New York, which was a new release, which they brought out in the cinema. Do you remember I said to you when we went to go to cinema, they brought out um, The Jewel again for a day? Yeah. They did that with so the Many Saints of That's going to be your middle one. Uh, and the harder they fall, the Netflix uh, Western. Which I think is going to be a good one. Possibly. Okay. Save that to the end, because I, I haven't seen that yet, and it's on my to-watch list. Okay. And it's got Lakeith Stanfield in it, so it I really does. do want to see it. Yeah. Uh, we'll go... Go for, go, go for you. We'll go Apex. <laughs> yeah, go on then. Directed and written by Edward Drake. Do you remember that now? 
from a few few episodes ago, mate. Starring Bruce Willis and Neil McDonough. Once again, the forces of fate, justice, and common sense have brought together the powerhouses that are director Edward Blake, Edward Drake, sorry, and legendary actor Bruce Willis. <laughs> Having impressed in cosmic sin and breach, the gods saw fit to allow us mere mortals the chance to see yet another helping of these Hollywood gods. <laughs> What what has Edward Drake got on Bruce Willis? He's, he's only done four movies. He's done three. There's a fourth one coming out and they all start Bruce Willis. And they're all straight to DVD crap. Maybe not this what one. Was it Cosmic Sin? Breach. And Breach I can't remember anymore. Oh, this, I, yeah, this one, yeah. Bring back the triple DVD. <laughs> bring back the bin. Yeah. It's like really comes out. Right. Sometime in the near future, Bruce Willis is serving a life sentence but this former cop officer is given the chance for freedom, but all he has to do is play in a little game where he will be hunted by a group of wealthy sportsmen. Whoa, whoa, whoa. If you're thinking running, man, then you've obviously haven't watched Cosmic Sin or Breach before. (laughs) (laughs) Made on a budget of about 13 pence, Apex is just a bunch of unhinged hunters who seem to hate each other a lot more than their prey. I bet you're thinking that would lead to a great dynamic with clever writing. Maybe have Bruce Willis turn, make them turn on each other. Well, you'd be wrong. <laughs> Bruce must have only had, Bruce must have only been on set for about fifteen minutes because all he does is stand around in the woods. But he does have a special power: the power of being just within earshot of whenever the villains are having a conversation. It's uncanny. <laughs> all the villains just start killing each other because of um, the plot. <laughs> Seriously, it starts. And Bruce Willis is in the first killing. Is he's? I'm spoiling this film. No, <laughs> the film does that. He's he's just stood there in the woods, just in some bushes, and two of the characters just have a conversation. They kill each other, and you just think, "I'm glad Bruce Willis is here." Um, why is it set in the future? Uh, because that way they can have some holographics and one very shitty looking CGI plane. The most interesting thing to happen in the first hour was Bruce eating some berries, which a computer program told him were hallucinogenics. Sounds exciting? Well, it's not because nothing happens. <laughs> Bruce is redundant to the point and the story that if you had replaced him with a bag of flour with a crudely drawn face on it, you would have not been able to tell the difference. Can't wait till the next pairing of these two Tinseltown Titans. <laughs> I'll be honest, mate, it's it's the worst of the three. And that's high praise. <laughs> Apex, what a bag of wank. The tagline is, being this close to death makes you feel alive. <laughs> I'm not joking. The film's not long. You've got you know, give it, give it credit where it's due. It's not long and you don't have to think. But Bruce Willis doesn't do anything till one hour, 15 minutes. <laughs> doesn't do anything. There is a, there's a new Bruce Willis movie that's come out, I think on Amazon, and... The trailer of it is a, or the setup is a hiker or someone in the woods witnesses a sheriff and a I've cop, seen it. yeah, doing something illegal, and mm-hmm. um, and then the trailer of it or this the the what you, what you see when you hover on it is this cop gun drawn walking through the woods saying, "Come out, I won't hurt you. I can explain what you saw was blah blah." And this person hiding behind a tree, you know, fearful for their life because they've obviously witnessed something that's going to mm-hmm. get them killed. And it's a star in Bruce Willis. And then the, and it cuts away to a scene of Bruce Willis sat on a log talking to the main actor. And I just thought that sums up Bruce Willis's career at the moment. Just what do you need me to do? I'm just, I'm just going to sit on this log and I'm just going to read a few lines. And we're not going to put any emotion in it whatsoever. I'm just going to sit here. <laughs> do you know what the problem with Apex is? Apex is so bad that after 45 minutes, you start thinking, is it so bad it's good? But then 15 minutes later, it's the only film I've known that is so bad it's good, but then bad again. <laughs> it full fucking full circles here. You, you literally start thinking, maybe it's me. Maybe I don't get it. 
<laughs> but ultimately, ultimately, Bruce Willis is in it for the last 15 minutes. And if he'd been replaced by anything else, you wouldn't have noticed. <laughs> and I don't blame people for being in this movie. Like Neil McDonough, like... Why would you not? Why would you not tick off your your acting bucket list that you've been in a movie with Bruce Willis? Just don't tell him which one it is. <laughs> Do you know, always like, tell me it was the Sixth Sense. Mate, tell him it was a good one. <laughs> there was anything pretty, like before two thousand five. Yeah. So. Uh, Famously, we're gonna to have to do the fourth. I reckon we're gonna to have to do Cosmic Sin, mate, because these films. I've seen Cosmic Sin. Oh, is it, oh did Dave Johnson told us about it. He? he was like, he said, because he was like, it's the same film. Well, there you go, I'm, I'm, mate. Yeah, soon. Cosmic Sin is is terrible. Soon the fourth one's coming. Oh god, mate, we'll, fucking special episode. That's three point two on IMDb Apex. Uh, that's that's three too many. <laughs> you leaving your own review? No, I just remember because Cosmic Sin had at least Frank Grillo in it. Oh, it did. It did have Frank Grillo in it. It's terrible. Right, I'm going to go into Angelina Jolie kind of backstory and just go for a little bit of a bio with her and then we're going to open up this conversation around what what is your favourite Angelina Jolie movie? Because for me, she's one of them actors that is a, is a household name. I think everyone loves, everyone respects. Everyone has their own individual favourites. Um, is world-renowned. He's is is Academy Award-winning. Comes, comes from good stock as well. She's John Voight's kid, isn't she? Yeah. I'm not a John Boy fan. Oh, well, carry on, sir. Um, so Angelina Jolie is an Academy Award winning actor, filmmaker, humanitarian, known for her roles across action, comedy, drama, and thriller. Some of Angelina uh, Jolie's most iconic roles include, of course, Laura Croft in Tomb Raider, but as well as working in movies such as Changeling, Girl Interrupted, Bone Collector, Wanted, Taking Lives, and of course, Tourist. Everyone's got a death note. Everyone does have a death note. Angelina Jolie's life in the public eye has not always been about her on-screen roles. Daughter to John Voight and Marceline Bertrand, who's also an actor. Jolie uh, was raised around successful actors in movies as... Is the way uh, with this podcast, we're going to stay away from the tabloid gossip, but acknowledge that her turbulent relationships with her dad was well documented, as well as her self-destructive earlier parts of her career and numerous marriages and other kind of pop we, stories that came along we ain't with judging, that. Mate. We judge films and that's it. Where's what it is. Uh, but there was lots of stories at the time about Billy Bob Thornton, Brad Pitt scandals, marriage to Johnny Lee Miller and all that. So very kind of, I think it was an early tabloid favourite, I think, for putting out. Yeah, I think she got accused of, well, I don't know if they happened or not, but I remember there was stories that, you know, she was like, oh, she's different. You know, this mm. is what she does. You know, like, and that generated her own press. Yeah, and, and I think certainly came from reading about her this week and looking at a bit of a bio about her, certainly came from an upbringing that was a bit rebellious. She just self-described as a self-destructive punk rocker in Hollywood. Um, but then certainly has turned a corner. I think she said since the birth of her first, no, since the adoption of her first child, um, her work then with the UN, with humanitarian work, tackling health inequalities around the world um, as well as human rights. It certainly seems to have taken a corner. Like many Hollywood superstars, Angelina Jolie's career transitioned from those early roles to breakout performances to worldwide success and finally becoming an established actor. Early work includes numerous music videos, um, including Lemonheads, Lenny Kravitz and Meatloaf, uh, before playing Cash in Cyborg 2, Glass Shadow. I think I, I'm going to... Make a motion now. Can we change? Everyone's got a death note to everyone's got a meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> Cyborg 2, Glass Shadow is without a doubt the best name for a movie we're going to hear in this podcast. Mate, I haven't seen it, but I feel like, I feel stupider for not seeing it. It stars Jack Plants. <laughs> right, let's end this. Let's Jolie plays a cyborg who, it, it's one of, I've seen it, it's one of the movies where it, it's, 
it's at the 80s, so into the early 90s, where, you know, things were hot, were like robot movies and martial arts. So they kind of combined oh. the two. And literally, it is about a cyborg who is programmed to... The, the mission is to go in and, and basically destroy the competitors, but becomes human. So she pairs up with a martial arts expert and they oh, go on this like adventure storyline with Jack Palance well, in it. Why wouldn't she? Exactly. <laughs> it's the only way that film could make sense. But that was through the early 90s movies. And, uh, but Angelina Jolie's uh, career started to generate interest in with her role in Hackers, the movie with Johnny Lee Miller. So I think this was, if we're talking moments here, this must have been, this isn't the film I remember seeing her in. I remember becoming aware of who she was. But this must have been the film that I first saw her in. Mm. And it was a great film. I love Hackers. I mean, it's so outdated now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so outdated. It's just like the net. <laughs> but those early, like, computer-based movies, those pioneers, where, where they had, I mean, they're, they're jaded now because of poor visual effects and also the gambles that they made. It's, but it's the same with 80s movies. Look at how when they how they depicted the 2000s and now we're in the 2000s and you're like, oh, it was charming. It was charming. To, you know, to see what the, uh, what the future would be like. Um, but by the late 90s with movies, uh, so uh, TV movies like Gia um, and then big releases like Pushing Tin, which also starred Billy Bob Thornton, John Cusack and Kate Blanchett. Um, she was starting to turn heads with critics. In 1999, Angelina Jolie hit us with the triple and really became one of the most successful and known names in Hollywood. Given as Bone Collector, Girl Interrupted, which was nominated for an Academy Award. And um, Gone in 60 Seconds, which at the time was the highest grossing movie of nine, of, of her career, sorry. And as it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> just, let, just let that tumble wait, wait, <laughs> wait there it is. Uh, so each, uh, in each of those three movies as well, feeding into the media stereotypes of her being the alternative girl, the punk rocker of Hollywood. So, because again, it, it, leading lady at that time in 1999, Gone in 60 Seconds and any, and Bone Collector, which I'm going to talk about. And, um, was the one I just said? Um, the Bone Collector pushing uh, Gone in 60 Seconds, Girl Interrupted, which is obviously the big yes, one. Yes, they are all alternative kind of performances, I suppose, from many of her peers. No, no, they, they definitely are. But going into 2000s, uh, that's when we I do when we not got, think the 2000s were kind of... <laughs> well, then we get Tomb Raider, which regardless of what you think about those movies, certainly made her a worldwide uh, success. But also starring in 2004, the movie Taking Large, which is, I think, a really good movie, a really good thriller that stars Ethan Hawke and Keith Sutherland as well as Angelina Jolie. If you haven't seen it, Taking Large is really good. I, I haven't seen it. I'll have to give that one. You haven't? No, I haven't. Which is really weird is I've seen everything else on 2004, which I feel sad about. Oh, Taking Large, honestly, it's on, I think it's on Netflix or it's on Amazon. It is a really kind of gruesome uh, dark thriller that if you like movies like Seven and that kind of So she's a criminal profiler for the FBI. And um, she, there's a killer on the loose, you f and it's a killer that morphs into people. So he kills them and then takes their identity. Oh, that's cool. And so in the movie, there's a, uh, even Hawks character is being stalked. There is the Keith Sutherland character that is the prime suspect as being this killer. Um, and it twists halfway through the movie with other actors that come into it. And by the end of it, it is quite bloody and quite graphic. Ooh, and taking life. It, it, it's really worth a watch that movie. Um and it was after these two, uh, sorry, it was after Taking Laughs that the critics started to turn and be more positives. Uh, she would then go into movies like The Good Shepherd, uh, and, uh, Mighty Heart, Alexander, and Changeling, which opened up Angelina Jolie's career to drama and working with the likes of um, Robert De Niro, Irfan Khan, as well as Clint Eastwood. Uh, and by 2008, she became the highest paid woman in Hollywood. Yeah. What did you, um, what were your feelings on that growing up? Because I'll be honest, I didn't like her. I didn't like Angelina Jolie at all. I did. I think the problem is 
and it's probably worth addressing that when you look at like, so you, you'll see things like how many awards she's won and um, there are a lot of, you know, FHM's top 100 sexiest women. You know, and, yeah. and, and she tends to top a lot of those lists. And I think growing up, you know, it, it tend to be that, that her, it was her work second and it was her looks first that yeah. kind of got a lot of that. the headlines. And, and actually each movie's like Taking Life. So when you watch it in Bone Collector, which I rewatched this week, you know, when you watch these movies, they're really, she is great. Regardless of who her appearance are, she's a very good actor. Her later career, like I watch movies now like Maleficent, like, you know, again, maybe not the my favourite of her career, but fucking owns that performance. What I like about her, so I didn't like her as a teenager, but maybe it's because of that. Maybe because, you know, she's appearing on those lists. It's, at one point, I remember in my, my teen, she seemed to be like everywhere, like a disease, like like front of magazines and all that type of thing. A green-eyed, full-lipped, husky, seductive voice disease, mm. James. But I, I remember seeing the film, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and I hated it. And oh, I, see, I, that's again, that's another one I didn't mind. I, I hated it and a near, like, biological level, like, to my core, I hated that film. I think it's because, as a child, I had this idea of a film that was suspiciously like this. And when I saw it on the big screen, you know that time when you think, I could do a film, when you watch it on the big screen, you think, oh, my God, you know, when you fall in love with the magic of the screen, it was the opposite. Cause I had this idea, like from a young age, I was like, this is balls. This is how you shouldn't have done it now. And that's, that's not a fault. What I'm saying is I didn't like it, but I wasn't basing any of this on anything. So that makes me a bag of dick. Well, the, Mr. Mrs. Smith is always one of the movies that, you know, when the setup is that the husband and wife both have alternative identities. So they're, they're both means, actually hit men. It just means they've got a really shitty relationship. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> Well, to be honest, mate, the wall was pulled over Jamie Lee Curtis's eyes in um, <gasps> True Lies, mate. That's true. So, yeah. but but to be fair though, Arnold Schwarzenegger does look like a computer. Net. He does. He do, definitely doesn't look like what a Navy SEAL, like one of the most trained killers in the world. Um, so I, <laughs> I love that. Sorry, I just love that being taken last when, when she's like, "No, he's a computer nerd." Yes, yes. Who hit the gym <laughs> for every day? For 10 years. <laughs> um, but The Good Shepherd, I think, 2006, that was the film that kind of like, I was like, maybe you just been a, maybe you just been a, a tit. Maybe she's, you know, why you, why do you not like you? I didn't hate you. I didn't go on forums or anything. I just, when I saw it, I was like, nah, I'm not really interested didn't in go on film. forums. What I'm saying is, when I say I didn't like them, I just meant, I thought they were fine. Yeah, I mean, there are movies in there that, you know, like I wasn't too big a fan of Sky Captain the World of Tomorrow. Oh, I know, but that's can't. a very small part in that movie. Yeah, but it, but it's also, it's like, I remember Shark Tale. I remember that being like, Angelina Jolene plays a fish. You know, like that was the selling point. It's not like, not like that Robert De Niro plays a fish. It's mm. like Angelina. Or Scorsese's in it. Scorsese. How did that film get made? And Will Smith. And Will Smith. How we didn't get a sequel is yeah. what you're saying, James. <laughs> And no, but, but and then films like oh sorry, bro. No, I was, was going to say like obviously Kung Fu Panda. I think is is you know world known for, but Changeling is an awesome movie. Well, so I hadn't seen this film for the longest time because I wasn't Angelina Jolie fan, and then we were talking about it moons ago with the Clint Eastwood episode. And I have seen it. You have. I have seen it. Yeah, it's amazing, and and it, because the source material is so like it, that it's a good what, story on paper. So it transitions really well to film. What I love about the story as well is, is that it doesn't pull any punches as like, do they try and find a kid? No. Do they assume she's mentally ill because she's a woman? You, yeah. You know, that sort of thing. Like she's, she's a weak say, so oh, she can't deal with it. Like, you know, that, the immediate like dick baggery. <laughs> of if, if, you, if you haven't seen Changeling, uh, it, it's, it's set in like 1950s. It's, LA police are corrupt. They need a win story. Angeline Jolly is the victim of, um, he plays Christine Collins, whose uh, son is kidnapped. What the police then do is basically give her a kid back. Yep. 
That's and they're like, right? oh, we found your kid. And she's like, that's not my kid. And they're like, yeah, it is. And, you know, and, and they manipulate the story and, and make, yeah, and as James says, point the finger towards her and say she's mentally unstable. But she's got, you know, she's done all things like, She's got a height chart, you know, and she knows a kid. I mean, at the end of the day, she knows what a kid looks I mean, like. I love that she does all these things, but ultimately, it's not a kid. Yeah. <laughs> she just looks at him and goes, you are not mine. That should be enough. And the kid's like, doesn't really hide it that well. It's like, yeah, I am. Nice house. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, I am. Can we, Mum. Can we eat? Because I haven't eaten for freaking ages. But alongside that, you've got this horrible story at the time of a child killer on the loose and, um, you know, in a capital punishment storyline that goes alongside it. And it, it, it's, it's just Clint Eastwood's that he's finest. You there know? is so much going on in that film. It was it was fantastic. It's she's brilliant. She's, I would it, I very rarely use this term. She's a tour de force, mate. Mm. But balances out with movies like Salt. Is, mm. But Wanted. Can you remember Wanted? I can remember Wanted. I remember Wanted because it was it was a fun action. Film. It was a different spin on action film, which was like so. It was dialed up to eleven. Like just like I, I forgot that. Uh, who's the guy? Chris that? Pratt's in it. Chris Pratt when he gets punched. Yeah. Everybody, well, he gets the keyboard smashed in his face. I, was, I always forget it's Chris yeah. Pratt. Yeah, and that movie as well. Like you talk about the source material being a graphic novel. We, you talked about last week about not being the biggest fan of V for Vendetta. This movie, I thought was it was great. It's like you know Morgan Freeman clearly having fun as well. James McAvoy certainly a breakout role for him. I know mm. he'd been in other things previously, but so much time. Obviously, on. we didn't talk about James McAvoy's uh, Dune Two last week, did we? No. Kind of we children, pushed past children that. are Dune, mate. But um, I, <laughs> but I I really like Wanted. I had it on like the Blu-ray kind of super high def steel case. Like I went all out with that movie. Like, yeah. I, bending bullets, man. That's what I was going to say. I remember the bending bullet scene where, where and you, mate, she has to have a lot of trust. Well, there's two things I don't like about that film. One is that she, like the only way you'll bend a bullet is if we put human life in the middle of it. I was like, that's not how it works. <laughs> that's that's you. Know, that's really not how it works. You are going to die and you've got no one else to blame. And then the second one, they take their orders from string. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I was just like, no, <laughs> we've we built this amazing society on this. I was like, no, <laughs> you, you sound like idiots. <laughs> but it's one of them. It's post Matrix, so it had a killer soundtrack. You know, it, it it utilized visual effects to its to enhance the story and the in the the visual. You know, the the kind of overall aesthetics of it. Um, I think Wanted is a, a pretty good movie, actually. Yeah. No, I. I. Yeah. No. So I, that, you know, going back to like what is. What is your favourite? I mean, I was just going to say as well, from mixed uh, heritage background of German and Slovak ancestry, IMDb describes Jolie's trademarked as a husky, seductive voice, full lips and green eyes, often topping hot lists and polls. Jolie's hobbies include collecting knives yep. and an interest in mortuary and embalming. <laughs> she wanted to be a funeral director before. Dude, just fucking, I hope so, mate. Otherwise, that's just scary. Yeah. Kind of interesting though, as well. It's very interesting, mate. I know both of us aren't single, but you like bars. How? What do you do? Women's sports. What are you into? Embalming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, especially someone's, that. someone's got to do it, James. Um, uh, I don't understand how you get into embalming though as a pleasure. Does that? Surely, does she go to funerals? So goes, can I do a bit of embalming? Surely she doesn't embalm on her own. Because that's worrying. Bit, that looks good. <laughs> well, the guy's dead. Yeah, I know, but <laughs> give us a go. Uh, sports Liverpool Football Club has yeah. has a pilot's license. Uh, was nearly cast in Saved by the Bell. We lost out to Tiffany Amber Thiessen. And good. Turned down the role of Natasha Romanoff in Black Widow. Do you think she regrets that now? I, I don't know. I think... I, what I like about the MCU is that they haven't cast character, They haven't cast actors like Tom Cruise or, you know, Angelina Jolie. Because I think Angelina Jolie is perfectly cast as Athena. Or Athena. No, she says don't call me Athena. 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 Because she, she, her role in that is to be the wise, kick-ass 
veteran. And that's what she is as a, an actor. She's a wise, kick-ass veteran. So I think that's perfect. Had she been the Red, red Spider? Black Widow. Black Widow. I did not enjoy that at all. Can't believe I couldn't have got that any more wrong. <laughs> Black Widow, Red Spider. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the thing with Angelina Jolie as well is, uh, uh, you know, off screen obviously has a lot of work with humanitarian stuff that, that she does. So much. I think there's like a three-year gap where she just went to Africa and like saved it. But then that also is, you know, I, I'm saying that's by choice and obviously wants to do those things. But Hollywood does have this issue, particularly with writing movies of female characters over the age of 35. Mm. And it is a big glaring um, stain on on Hollywood and movies is that whereas males will progress through the career and there's roles and there's stories that get made with Jeez males Christ. in their 30s and 40s. Yeah, good show. Women do get to an age where you're done. there's a conveyor belt and then the next you see them, they're the veteran actor, they're the mum, they're the, um, you know, they're the, 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 the oracle, you know, the person that you go see to get they're advice. Not, they're not the lead. That's not their job. Their job is to literally be, oh, I remember. Yeah. So yeah. there is a timeline on, on you know, on leading ladies' careers, unfortunately, which is one of those things that when you go back to what was the one thing you changed in film, you know, diversity in, in the yeah. writer's room is, is key. Um, but there are gaps that, you know, what, so what, that nothing happens for, you know, in that yeah. age for women, you know, just like 29 rare. and 50, <laughs> you know, like her all over Charlize Theron is one of those actors that is constantly championing this and yeah. saying that there are uh, few and far between roles for her to play where she's not required to look younger or dress up actually her age is very few and far between. That's a really interesting conversation. Cause if we go out to the, the top of this episode and we talked about the Eternals, the two is it is Gemma Chan. Gemma Chan's career trajectory is going to be completely different to that of Richard Madden. Like Richard mm. Madden will have a consistent career. You know, he'll be linked with, for example, we use Bond. He'll be linked with Bond for now until he's about 50. Gemma Chan will only ever be, you know, that's, you're right. Like her career has stunted capabilities because if someone like Angelina Jolene can't get it between those, because I was looking at film often, I was like, there's, there's gaps, there's mm. huge gaps. She has slowed down significantly. One, maybe she doesn't want to work. Yeah. But yeah. at the same time, you're right. You don't, you get to... The perfect example being Jennifer Lawrence. Like, what happened to her? That like Hollywood was just like, we don't. You won an Oscar. You've hit pinnacle. Go away. We'll see well, you Sandra Bullock. It goes on. But, Fucking disgusting. But right. then I suppose this, another a saving grace is, is streaming services because that means more stories get told, which means you, you know you, you can cast more and and stuff and so, and TV series because you look at someone like Kate Winslet now, like owning it in TV shows like Mayor of Easttown. Well, it, 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 an example I was going to use is and. I, I liked. I always like to use the same example. So I, not because I'm samely, but I always find it easy to make my point. Mm. If you look at Copland, yeah. what does Sylvester Stallone's sex have to do with his job? It doesn't. Oh, yeah. You could have Angelina Jolene play the deaf guy. You know, you could have Sandra Bullock. Like, I just think people are given. Well, I know actually, I know why. It's because Sylvester Stallone wrote everyone and using yeah. it as an example because he wanted to make it. But yeah, you're right. They're not taking chances. You, what's really weird is you, we are in 2021. This isn't a new issue but it won't go away. You know, I think the right, you've always hit the nail on the head is about the writers. And that's why you hope that streaming services with a bigger part of money will take more risks. Mm. And that's, and in a way it's worked because we've seen more Korean films, more Korean TV series. We've seen like, you know, at the start of the episode, we were talking about the bridge, you know, and things like that. You know, there is a market, there is a definite market out there, but you know, as a Western world, we just, well, actually as a world in total, we just don't do it. No, no. Well, this is depressing. Thank you very much. No, it's all right. It's all right. Good point, though. So what's, uh, for me, and I hope we're going to talk about it now, The Bone Collector, mate, is one of my favourite films, and it's still on Amazon, and I watched it. I didn't watch it for this episode. I watched it a few weeks ago. It was the worst part about this podcast, mate, is when you go back. When you go back to the fucking late 90s or the early 2000s, it's like, is it going to be the same? Because, wow, the worlds have changed. Comedy's changed. Action's changed. 
Denzel Washington lays in the bed for two hours. <laughs> Angelina Jolene kicks ass for two hours. Is it how I remember? Yeah, I, I rewatched it this week because I thought it was going to be my number one. If, if I was looking at Angelina Jolie's career, Bone Collector is certainly one of those that jumps out as a potential. 1999, great year for movies. Next time when we take on a year, I definitely think 99 is a contender. Um, it's it's from a Jeffrey Deaver book. It, it stars, as James says there, um, Denzel, Washington. Denzel Washington as a quadriplegic homicide detective who is all about forensics. Yeah. So, but that 999 was different, wasn't it? Because we didn't have CSI 12, still CSI. Mm. It was like it was kind of a new spin. Because everyone seems to forget that that because we live with it now. Like this this was a 90s thing, the idea of forensics. And he's a different cop. Other cops don't like him mm. because they're like, he's focused. He's all about the crime scene. You know, I remember sorry, I'm jumping way ahead, no, but, no, no, but, no. but Angelina Jolene comes across uh, her character is she that's how she's minded. Like I always and this is what I'll do if I ever come across a crime scene, she sees a footprint, so she gets a dollar bill and puts it next to it. She stops a train. So the train to disrupt evidence. And then um the blue fellow from Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, Michael Rooker's in Michael it. Rooker. Michael Rooker comes in and it's just like he has a go at her and braids it. But if you think about it now, that's common procedure. Because that's the world we live in. Mm. I just thought he was so ahead of his time. I, I love this film. It, it is great. It's, it's like you say, Angelina Jolie's the street cop who just so happens to be the closest cop to a crime scene when it's called in. Um, and her instincts, her kind of uh, drive to preserve the crime scene overrides what all the other street cops are doing at that time. So she quickly takes photos because it's raining. So she quickly asks this uh, kid to go buy her a disposable camera because she knows all the evidence and all the crime scene is going to be corrupt from cops so walking away in, yeah. in the rain kind of destroying it and Denzel Washington's character who has an accident at the very beginning of the movie on a on a crime scene and he's now a quadriplegic so he's he's got the use of a finger he and is. he can move his neck and one shoulder I believe he says in the movie suicidal you know yeah he's kind of you know, the light's gone out he's, he thinks he's, he's come to the end of his journey he wants to go out on his terms they don't dare use the word suicide in the movie. They, they don't. They, do they, they keep all the way through it. They're like, um, don't give up. No, they, they use. Um, I, I've. Come, I, I want to self conclude. They they oh, don't dare say the word that. suicide at any point. Do his greatness just quickly. I know we're talking about Angelina Jolie, but Queen Latifah gets a bad rap, but she's fucking Queen brilliant. Queen Latifah comes in this as the carer, Felma, <laughs> and like, um, and I genuinely, she's a carer, mate. <laughs> it's also got Ed O'Neill in it. It's got uh, Louis Guzman in it. It's got Leland Orser in it. So these are all names that. <laughs> Or you might not know, but you would know the faces. He's also the guy that when you see him, you know he's a killer because you're like, they want to hire him to do this. <laughs> Lila Dorsa. <laughs> it's also got Bobby Cannavale in it as well. It's got loads of people. It's, it is, it is a, it's a good cast. Um, and Denzel Washington sums up this movie straight away. It, it, so this is a killer that is um, taking bones. He's leaving clues. Angelina Jolie kind of spots it. She preserves it. Denzel Washington's character then pulls her in and says, I want you part of the task force. He says straight away in a line that I missed the first time I watched the movie is there's they're going they're rushing to the second crime scene yes. and he's like hold back you're not there to save the person you're there to yeah. look at the crime scene he goes look at the guys because they're they're connected via radio contact he's like look at the guys in SWAT they're the heroes let them go in but don't let them destroy the crime scene so it's really it's you know she's there's, not running in there she's the after cleaner kind of person. There's a hiring thing where he's like, chop the hands off. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, what I've, there's something really weird and surreal about listening to Denzel Washington guide Angelina Jolene on how to saw hands off so she yeah. can get there. I thought she was very good on that. Is she a pre precursor as well to a lot of the characters, you know, like we were talking about Lise, you know, from the tournament, you know, that sort of um, quite emotionless because she just wants to get the job done. 
you know, again, away from like the woman casting in the mm. 90s, you know, like be damsel in distress. She ain't no, you ain't saving her. She's saving you. And if you like movies like Seven, Bone Collector is certainly down that street because it is, a, it is gruesome. It is, you know, the, the deaths that the killer kind of orchestrates are particularly nasty. You know, it's, um, you know, torture and um, cat and mouse kind of with their, with his victims. There's also a really good scene as well where they look back for historic cases over the last five years unsolved with where bones have been taken from crime scenes and realise at totally. this point that this that the killer's been trying to communicate for years. Mm. And that's a really harrowing scene as well. With you, I believe that idea comes from it depends on the cop. Like she's the first one that's gone and seen something whereas people have just seen a body and then the, mm. everything's then dismissed. You know, like And I think that's like the idea of proper procedures in place that they would have caught him years ago. Yeah. And it is, that's what separates it to movies like seven where, you know, seven was about kicking the door down. We'll, we'll find the reason as to why we kick the door down later. Whereas this is the crime has been solved. What is the killer telling us and how will that prevent the next crime from happening? It does lose itself towards the end. So all of this, like the crime scene is that, you know, don't let anyone um, kind of plague the, the crime scene or, or tamper with the evidence or anything like that. By the end of this movie, that all goes fucking out the window. Like the last crime scene, she's just like, no gloves or anything. She's like, what is this? <laughs> you know, like, and you're like, oh, what happened to all that like training about like gloves and okay. taking photos? Get over it. Yeah, she's like basically like licking a bit of evidence. It's, you know, and, and it does, it kind of forgets a, what the viewer is meant to pick up on before. So in these movies, they often get the point where the, you are supposed to figure out the end at the exact same point as the, um, the main star. So in this, like who is the killer or who is, uh, the last victim going to be part of the enjoyment of these. And this is my bag. These are the kind of movies in the books that I read is that you are supposed to find it out at the same time. That's the whole mm. adrenaline of these movies. The problem, the problem with these movies, they, they, they kind of forgot to show you something and they kind of put it in at the end is edited wrong. Say that, I, I, you know, these guys are experts, but basically, I mean, the movie's over 20 years old. She realizes that there's a number on this train, this, and uh, the, the number is Denzel Washington's badge number. Yeah. And that, and she's like, and that's how she works out who the last victim is going to be. The, the thing is, is they should have shown you his badge way earlier on. Yep. And they literally showed it two scenes before. So as the audience member, you're like, oh, there's that number again. Like, <laughs> oh, straight away, what are the odds of that five number? You know, that five digit number. It's not like Dial Free, mate, where he says about the badge number at the beginning of the film and then it comes up later. You're right. Call back. Right, so do you want to go time machine back to 99? Just like use it correctly. I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so other than that, but it is it is a good movie. Andrew Lee and Jolly, he's great in it. Denzel Washington. I've been on a right kick, Denzel kick recently. Mm -hmm. Like last few weeks, I've been bringing no end of Denzel movies. This this is great. I mean, it's, it's not training day, um, but it is it is really enjoyable. Is it my favourite Angelina Jolie movie? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. You've got Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, War of the Titans. No, that's the, he does, he plays a, there's a school, it's a Disney film, there's a school that was, it's the first school to be integrated and it's the two sports teams come together and the black team and the white team and he plays the head coach. That's a great film, it's a Disney film. I've wanted to catch up with that one for ages. I haven't seen that one. Can't remember, it's like the Titans or something. Anyway, it's a great film. It's like Disney can actually do films pretty well. Mate, we're talking about the best of Angelina Jolene and I feel like that 999 was her, yeah. And I think it was time for her to shine. And let's be honest, it is the film that we all think about. And if you were to remove her from the cast list, you've still got an amazing cast list. I'll say gone in six seconds, I swear to God, James. Girl interrupted. Yeah, it, it, girl, it is, I think this I, is the one. I mean, I didn't want to peak too soon. 
Should I go back and no, make no, a no. Joke? I, I think we, I'm conscious of time with this episode, and we, I think before you go into Gilden's footed, I will say the what is also a bit of a kick in this is this was like Winona Ryder's comeback movie. Yeah, but everyone remembers Angelina Jolie from it. Yeah, um, and just the, the, like the dealing with the uh, anorexia and nervous breakdowns and schizophrenia, it, basically all these characters are placed into a. Oh, James Mangold directed this. I did not know that. Mm. Well, sorry. And they all end up in this uh, certain home where they all are subjected to basically they're wrong at hospitals, you know, different characters. I remember Winona Ryder obviously mentioned, but Brittany Murphy, Elizabeth Moss, which is brilliant because I think Elizabeth Moss might have one of the best careers up to date. I just think she kind of entered at a high level and has remained. Um, what you've got is you've got a acting performance from people that no one expected. You've mentioned uh, Winona Ryder's combat movie. This was it. This was supposed to be it. When you come out of it, you remember the scenes where she's in a room with Angelina Jolie. And I think this was the first film to show people a bit of difference. It was Angelina Jolie's mm. standout moment where she didn't have to... If we compare this to Gone in 60 Seconds, where she's eye candy, you know, she's fodder for the banter of Nicolas Cage. She's she's so good in this film at holding, you know, it deals with things that are quite uncomfortable, especially as a man. Dealing with these different things, you know, how we lock them away. Oh, did this, this make you feel uncomfortable as a man? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so did Gone in 60 Seconds, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, what a fantastic... Uh, did she win an Oscar for this one? Yeah, uh, yeah, she was, yeah. Best Supporting Actress. And she swept it, the idea of like resist therapy and stuff like that. It, it's very corny. It's, it's very visceral, but in a very unvisceral way. It's dealing with aspects that we as humans choose to ignore. It's like, you know, when someone is ill, we send them away. Whereas this is what happens to when they are sent away, like the, the lost souls. A lot of characters don't have anyone. Then the characters that do have them, there's even this added layer of pressure. It's like they've got to get better. Mm. And it's a fucking horrible film that I really did not like. But at the same time, I think it's vault worthy, mate. I do, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it for seven days, though. I haven't seen it for, for actually quite a long time. But I remember this is the film I didn't see it till quite late. I'm talking about two, uh, 2010. Yeah, it came to this party quite late because I'd seen the movie poster. I think it's got quite an iconic movie poster. And I'll be honest, I fell in love with it. I, I was watching this film and I felt awkward, but I couldn't turn it off. I like the film. I, I think it would go in the vault had we... The rule is we have to have seen it in the last seven days to put it in there. And it definitely is... For me, that's her best. I think her most iconic performance I is Maleficent over Laura Croft any day. But the for me the uh, the hidden gem is the movie Taking Life. So if you haven't seen it, I'm gonna go watch. Certainly that. worth it. There is a scene at the very end of the movie where I went, oh, it like out loud, like shit. Taking Life. It is uh, Ethan Hawke man as well. I like Ethan Hawke. Mm. I remember I, I fell in love with him in the film Gattaca, which I still, which as a kid I did not understand. <laughs> it was like who's Jude Law. I'm gonna I'm gonna segue into my last movie that I watched this week. It's a brand new release on Sky Cinema, and it does star Angelina Jolie. So it seems fitting to wrap up this part of the podcast before we listen to James's final movies. Um, because there's a link. Because in this film is John Berthnell, who I know <gasps> is in The Many Saints of Newark. Mate, so I love it when we link shit. We will link shit. But the final the final movie is a movie called Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is now on Sky Cinema. Starring Angelina Jolie. And so this I've movie... Oh, great. Well, there yeah, we go. Sorry. So it's directed by Taylor Sheridan. It stars Angelina Jolie, John Berthnell, um, Aiden, Littlefinger, Gillian, Nicholas Holt. I'm just saying that he gets everywhere. He Like little, a rash. Like Littlefinger is... And I'm going to say Aiden, <laughs> Aiden Gillen is actually a very good actor, but he's so underrated. He's just like, he's in it. <laughs> Littlefinger. <laughs> Littlefinger. I think as well... Now, I could be wrong, but I think Littlefinger, Aiden Gillian plays the same real life person 
that Richard Madden plays. I think Aidan Gillian played him in Bohemian Rhapsody, the biopic. Yeah. And Richard Madden played him in Rocket Man. Possibly. I think there's there's something in my brain that connects Richard Madden and him other than Game of Thrones. And I think it's because they've played the same person previously. Anyway, digressing. Um, do, you know what? do you know what I think Aidan, Nicholas Holt could play a young Aidan Gillian as well? <laughs> yeah, it's a really weird period then too as well. Like I put it on and, and Emily goes, is that about a boy? I went, it is. Let's never forget it's about a boy. Um, Sorry. It, it, those wish me dead. Like on paper, this isn't a movie that I was interested in. I saw the trailer when it came out of the cinema, it, COVID or no COVID, I was like, that. it just doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me. But on TV, Sky Cinema, let's go for it. Set in Montana, uh, Jolie plays Hannah, a park ranger, survival expert with a rebellious streak. She's also recovering from trauma uh, following a previous year's forest fire. She's in a uh, station tower. So one of her roles as this ranger is to, he's quite isolated, is to sit on these huge towers in the forests, in, in the woodlands, in the reserve to monitor for fires. You know, this is a um, lightning strike zone, the campers. There's no other reasons why a forest fire might occur. So she's one of those that sits up there in the stations monitoring um, for long periods of time, it's quite an isolating job in the Montana wilderness. She then bumps into Connor, a young boy who's been hunted by two assassins who have already killed his dad and are now hunting him. To make things worse, these assassins have also started a forest fire and kidnapped the local deputy sheriff, who in this case played by John Berthnall. So the two assassins are Aidan Gillian and Nicholas Holt chasing Connor, this little lad, um, whilst Angelina Jolie in a what are the odds situation bumps into him in the arsehole of the Montana forest. That's what I mean. I mean, if it'd been me, that could be dead. <laughs> Not just, my problem, mate. So just be like, uh, what's the point? So uh, on its own, you know, the, the, the thing with the thing I found straight away from this movie is there's a lot going on from the get go. So there are these two assassins that seem to not be banned by any government or police force whatsoever. will just openly start firing and killing people and blowing up houses and yeah. are trying to cover up um, there's a backstory about two IT, basically solicitors that have uncovered a corrupt banking and whatever. And um, th- they're being paid, obviously, as hitmen to go and silence those that have uncovered it. The, the best way to do everything silent is to be loud and as bloody as possible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> blow up houses and, oh, gas leak. Um, so they are on the hunt. And uh, like I said, this Connor, this boy, um, the dad basically spills the beans, says why he's been hunted and gives him some evidence and says, if anything happens to me, get to the local town, the local sheriff, someone you can trust, hand over this evidence because it impinges. So that's why these two hitmen are after them. Throw in the middle of this, Angelina Jolie, there's so much going on here. So she's a smoke jumper. Which I didn't understand. I know it's explained, but I was like, I still don't get it. Isn't it just jumping? So she she basically like jumps into fires. Oh, then I didn't understand it. <laughs> Because well, not into him, but, but because, into the area. She's a base jumper. I was going to say because later you see some other ones. You know, they're, they're smoke jumpers. I was like, I don't get it. What is this a thing? Is yeah, this and they help like- the fire service to put in. And she's been victim to a. She got a job wrong where she she didn't see that the wind had changed and there were some victims. She's you know now got this kind of you know she's drinking. She's you know she's not all there in terms of her mental health, but she's trying to get back into the job role. And then she's thrown into a you know so she has to overcome saving this boy because. She feels like she didn't save these other kids. So you've got that storyline in there. The thing with this movie is, is that there's a lot of like, that's convenient bits, you know? So just as she finds the kid, and I'm not, you know, I don't mean to spoil it, but just as she finds the kid, lightning hits the tower and fries all the electrical equipment. So she can't radio any help. 
But you're forgetting that the guys work for the government, mate. I'm just saying. If you don't think the president can control the weather, what's wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) And then there's a bit where it's like they're running through a field and she's like, and they're having a heart to heart. And then lightning starts to strike this field. And she's like, she's like, right, we're going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to say stop. And then you're going to lay down and then I'm going to run past you. So basically they're separating to run across this field. And I'm watching it just being like, A, go around. (laughs) B, just wait for the lightning to stop. But then when the lightning... Okay, it's a spoiler, but when the lightning hits one of them, yep. then the lightning stops. Yep. So then there's five minutes like the lightning was like, got you. Like, <laughs> see, like, see yeah, I don't need to, I don't need to lightning anymore. It's almost as if the third villain was inconvenient. Yeah. <laughs> it like, the light, and, and she's like, no, it didn't hit me. It just, it hit the ground near me. But then the lightning stops. It's like, what are the odds that the like, last oh, one got you? Got you. <laughs> and you know, there's probably someone listening to this who, you know, maybe is a, Lightning expert, yeah, going no, that is very true and that is very accurate. And you know, what, but it, just, hit someone, it's it's a, a bit convenient, isn't it? <laughs> so, it, th- that's the problem with this movie is that they, there probably is a really good, like, no frills drama in there of, um, you know, a survivalist who's got something to prove by saving this young boy and you know, the against the odds survival in the wilderness. There is, there's a good story there, it's just filled it's with, yeah, it's like, you know, the sheriff's wife is pregnant. She gets away. And at the beginning of the movie, I was like, why didn't she just call the police? Like, she knows there's two assassins out there looking for a little boy. Mate, because the lightning hit her cell phone. <laughs> but that's what I don't get. Like, she, there's nothing wrong with her phone. or Lightning, anything. mate. Lightning, the <laughs> yeah, real enemy. Well, did the lightning show up again? No, exactly. It disappears, doesn't it? It goes away from it. It's containing her in a cage. And, and there's a fire that the villains start that somehow they're then heading towards, which doesn't make which I was like, why are they now heading towards the fire? I think that's explained very poorly. I do. I know the bit that you're talking about. They set the fire, but then end up having to go back. Don't they leave? No, someone goes there. I don't remember. It's not very well. But do you know what? It's, I thought it was okay. It's. it's I don't get me wrong. It's a pop. We we enjoyed it with like some popcorn. The cast is great. Um, Jolly, you know, he's, he's on top form. John and- Berthnall's in it. it. You know, there's loads in it to like. It is pretty graphic as well like there's these two assassins don't fuck about and nicholas hot i'm like about boy what are you doing put the gun down um it is, it is pretty graphic it is but it's um there's just a lot of you have to just go with it kind of mentality just, just accept it suspension of disbelief so it's got tyler perry in it and i, I always feel a bit oh i don't like tyler perry yeah i never forgive tyler perry for being um alex cross in yeah, that film. I I, yeah. I just feel like that was such a wasted opportunity. I was really looking forward to that film with Matthew Fox playing like the businessman racist killer MMA fighter. Yeah, that that was I was set up to. I was really looking forward to that film. I was really looking forward to that yeah. film, and then it was kind of came out as like a B film. It's like no one was really interested. It's like no one put their effort into it. That's disappointing. There's there's enough in this movie that it could have been interesting with any one of these things. You know, like like say the survivalist storyline, the forest fire storyline, even the lightning storyline. Like there's. Just pick, just, just, just pick one of them and go with it, rather than this cocktail of all these different things. Maybe, no, I've got nothing, I've got nothing but that's not stupid. <laughs> I, it's, it's a really weird one, because it's not bad, it's just weirdly like, seriously, because it went through rewrite hell, and they lost its original director due to the final draft, and then one of the writers was Taylor Sheridan, who says, look, I'll direct it if you can get Angelina Jolie, and the studio was like, there's no chance of getting Angelina Jolie. She then said yes, he's like, fuck, I'm directing it then. <laughs> And it does feel rewritten and it doesn't really know what it wants to be. It, it, yeah, you get a sense that it, it moves from like pressure point to pressure point. Like it's it's about this, now it's about this. And that's always the sign of the rewrites or or when 
is it this film when actors just are wearing different clothes? I'm sure it's this one where one of the actors is just wearing, like, I think it's one of the hitmen is then not wearing the clothes they're wearing literally a second ago. And he's like, just move on. And one of the, it has that home alone thing where one of the, one of the hitmen gets like severely injured. And I was like, just go get some like pseudochrome or something on that, <laughs> or Savlon on that burn because it looks bad. Right. He's like, I'll push through, man. Yeah. Bullshit. Like you got burnt, man. You got set on fire by beer spray. <laughs> There's a lot going on in this movie. Yeah. And it's also that whole, like, the, so on the one hand, she's like, you know, the, the forest man, not, not to be fucked about with. Like, this is serious shit. Like, this separates the men from the boys, this place. Like, yeah. you know, survival expert. You're lucky you fucking found me. But also, you've got two guys that have no, you know, that are the out most, of towners. Yeah, exactly. With no survival experts other than they've got fine. guns. And they find them. <laughs> and you're like, what? That's like, there's literally a needle in the haystack. Mate, the special ops black... Heart operations. I don't fucking know. It is hard. Oh, no, no. I'll tell you how they get around that. John Berthnall's tracking them. But how can you be tracking them when you're nowhere near where they are? <laughs> like, lightning, mate. It's it's odd. It's 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 for the lightning on the on sensor. It's almost it? got to be watched to believe, actually, <laughs> that this many famous people are in this movie that you're like, really? You all signed up to this film? It's, like I say, it's not bad. It's just, it's, it's right. so middle road. Doesn't take any chances as well. It's just like yeah, it's fun. Mm. It I, 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 do you know the one? The only bit where I came out of the movie um, was Angelina Jolie goes when she finds the boy. She's like, "You, you look famished." Now he's only been in the woods for like four hours by this Mate, point. He's fucking dumb. And he gives her, uh, she gives him a bag of nuts. And I did think that is such a part range of snack. <laughs> nuts you know what I mean like she don't give him a chocolate bar nuts. or a, a kind of fizzy drink or anything she's like look here's some almonds and you know like it's a mixed nut she's selection. the type of person to give almonds as well and it's in a it's in a ziplock bag as well it's not even like branded nuts she's like look I, I put this together myself yeah she has to munch on him yeah between smog jumping I, I didn't get that at all is that an actual thing I don't know it's gotta be so that one is one of those where I'm like would you recommend it? No, yeah. don't blame me. Cause if, if, it's, if it's on. I, I'm glad I didn't see it at the cinema though. I do yeah. still buy my guns with that one. I think I did see it at the cinema. It, so was, you, it, was, that, it was that it was that period of time, mate, where I just wanted to get out of the house. It was mm. the COVID at the end of that. Yeah, I saw it at the cinema. So you've got two more to go. I have, and they're not that long. Yeah, whatever. Let's start off with the many saints of Newark because that's the way the continuity goes because if I'd gone with the other one, there would be no link. <laughs> Directed by Alan Taylor, written by David Chase, starring Alessandro Navarro, Leslie Odom Jr., Vera Farmiga, John Bethanol, Corey Stoll, Michael Gandolfini, and Ray Liotta. Mate, I've got a massive speech here. When a movie comes out based on a TV series, film studios always run the risk of alienating anyone that wasn't a hardcore fan of the series it's based upon, or spun off. El Camino from yesteryear is a perfect example of this. I found that I enjoyed the film because I'd seen the series Breaking Bad. If I'd never seen Breaking Bad, I would have been lost and probably disappointed with El Camino. El Camino is basically resting on you of seeing Breaking Bad. Completely. Whereas Serenity is an amazing watch, and I saw that before the TV series of Firefly. I fell in love with the characters and immediately settled into that world. So when I watched the TV series, I did pick up more. However, it was written in a way that I did not have to be a fan. Mm. Rizal Camino is written in a way that you do kind of have to be a fan to get the film. It was a love letter and it was kind of, El Camino was a gamble because Breaking Bad ended perfectly mm. and this could have tipped the scales against it. But that's what it means. But you have to have watched Breaking Bad to really, yeah. to really watch El Camino. However, Serenity, you don't really have to actually watch for it. The reason I bring it up, this brings me to The Many Saints of Newark, which sits in the middle of these two extremes. Based on the phenomenal TV series The Sopranos, The Many Saints of Newark is a prequel and follows Dick Montesanti as he tries to deal with life 
As an Italian-American in a crime family, the pressures of being a made man, young love, and dealing with the city's 1967 riots. So I haven't seen this. I didn't watch Sopranos. Mm. Sorry, so this is James Gandolfini's character as a kid? No. Right. So James Gandolfini, uh, sorry, uh, James Gandolfini plays Tony Soprano. Tony Soprano is in it as a child. It's his mentor. And I do right. come up to it. So this is something I just want to point out off the bat. I love the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Go back a few episodes. Number one. No, it wasn't. It was number two. Buffy was number one. Shut up, James. I'm just going to call The Many Saints and out The Many Saints. Mm-hmm. The Many Saints is essentially a very long episode of The Sopranos and nothing more. It doesn't follow the usual standard of a movie, setting up the heroes and the villains. In fact, The Many Saints has no real villains and no heroes. The lack of a storyline can be sometimes quite freeing. For example, do you remember the film Peanut Butter Falcon? There's no storyline. They're getting from point A to point B. However, in this environment, it just fails. It can actually be irritating watching the characters joke around, commit violence for no real reason. I found myself every 20 minutes or so asking myself why or what was happening and then back to why. There's no motivation. I'm watching listless storyline. Um, this film just exists to show certain things that were talked about in a TV series. Um, it seems to be its only justification for existing. A big question from the TV was who killed the character of Dickie Moltisanti? This film answers it. There's a joke about the time Johnny Boy shot through a beehive. So the beehive is, a, is the hairstyle. And there's a story in The Sopranos running around that Johnny went to shoot his wife and shot her through the beehive. This film answers why that happens. Uh, this, the, the film answers it, and that's all it does. It, it, that's all the film has to offer is answering questions from the TV series. Is it, is it a love letter then to the TV series? And I series? fucking loved it because, right. it's, uh, because it's that. It's, it's everything I wanted from it. I think, though, you can only really be a fan. You can watch this and not watch The Sopranos. Still fall in love with the performances. The performances are top, top though. They're very good. You want to get the inside joke, the inside but You want to get there, the inside yeah. stuff like, I'm going to say that Vera Farminger, so the, the, Tony Soprano has a weird relationship with his mother and the actress died after series two. So that kind of like where they were going with that story, I died when the actress died. However, Vera Farminger, when I was watching, I was like, she's spot on. She, she was such an amazing performance as mm-hmm. Olivia Soprano. I, I thought it was phenomenal. John Bethnal was brilliant as Johnny Boy. Everyone's brilliant. The only weakness I've got is with the character of Uncle Junior, one of my favourites, played by Corey Stoll. And I like Corey Stoll. He's the bad guy in Ant-Man. Yeah. Um, he usually gives good performances. I, I don't like his spin on Uncle Junior. He, he is an actor, though, that, like, I, I don't know whether it's because of things like House of Cards and the fact that he's the lawyer in The Reporter, but if you're doing a movie set in DC where two people need to meet in a car park and hand over documents... Who's the man? Bring him in. Exactly. That is him. Like trench coat, like Lincoln town car. That That's his, you know, put him in DC for every movie. <laughs> Even films in San Francisco. He yeah, yeah. Me DC. So it's just, it's just an extra long episode of Surprise. It's not for you. You haven't seen it. I, I don't, some people enjoy it. I, however, loved it because it, it gave me what I wanted. However, the performances are very good. Uh, Alessandro Navarro is phenomenal. Ray Liotta plays two twin brothers in it and it, it doesn't, it's not a joke. He's, he's plays two parts. It's good, it's good Rayleigh. It's good Rayleigh. But Rayleigh, when it comes to the gangster movies, mate, you know that he's going to give it because that's his bread and butter. He didn't want to be, you know, he give a good performance for this. This isn't Heartbreakers. Yeah. I like Heartbreakers. But that said, it's a good film. However, it's not very favorite. I think it's bang average for other people. I loved it, but I love the surprise. I love what it brings. I love what it adds. Is it, uh, does it change the formula of, because I heard a review where someone says like there's a voiceover from someone from the grave, like they're in hell or whatever, That's telling a, the story. So you at the beginning, it starts with Christopher Moltisanti, the son of Dickie, who dies during the course of The Sopranos, spoilers. So he is dead and he tells you a story about certain things. However, 
this one has always had like a laissez-faire attitude to death. Like, so it's always implied that they, you never knew what was beyond. Because in the series, he gets shot at one point and he visits hell. So he becomes, you know, as a result of that, does he become more religious? No, but it's kind of like implied that there is an afterlife. Oh, do they do a scene in hell? No. How's oh, that with him? No, no, he sees it, but when he comes back, this right. is when he dies, when he comes back and he tells everyone, it's like, I was in purgatory. You know, hell is an Irish bar, you know, full of mm. all the people that you've killed and that sort of thing. You know, it's... It's good writing. It's 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 sort of there isn't a scene in hell. All right, I was on board for jumping on this then. Um, but no, it, it, that's what it is. It's ultimately it's good for me, but it's not good for everyone. It's like chocolate. Mm. I, I was surprised when it came out of the cinema because that to me screams like straight to streaming. That's a Netflix movie. Well, because they HBO Live, HBO HBO famously made like more combat than we had an argument over last week, but they didn't finance the film based mm. on The Sopranos, which is one of HBO's biggest heavy hitters. Yeah, because you are really like selling that movie to a select audience of people that mm. have seen And I know The Sopranos, a lot of people have seen it, so it's a big audience. But, but I don't think the appetite was there for a movie, to be honest. It, no. it doesn't add, it does. It shows you stories that you heard, and it answers the question, who killed Dick Marsani? But I'd like to point out, I hate the answer. The character that kills Dick Marsani, I detested, because it was all these different theories about who did it. When you find out who they did it, they did it for a really pathetic reason, and you just think, well, that was a bit petty. But ultimately... I think that plays into what David Chase does, though, because obviously the, the ending of The Sopranos was, you know, fade to black. Mm. Nothing happens. So. How many seasons of The Sopranos? S- eight. But I, eight? I, I, it's seven parts one and part two, so I believe it's eight. Oh, man, that's a lot. How many episodes roughly a season? About ten. Oh, that's not too bad then. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a HBO one. Maybe I'll do Sopranos at some point. Yeah, you will. Everyone keeps talking about it. Well, they should. It's very good. Right. Mm. The Harder They Fall, 2021. Oh, I so want to see this. Directed by Jem Samuel, starring Jonathan Majors, Idris Elba, Zazie Beetz, Regina King, Delroy Lindo, and Lakeith Stanfield. Can I just say as well, you know, uh, you love Blade, mm-hmm. and I love Blade, mm. and we love Mahershala Ali, mm-hmm. and I love Mahershala Ali, and you know Mahershala Ali's in Blade. Mm-hmm. Have you, today, they announced that Delroy Lindo's joined the cast of they Blade. They do, and I saw, the, 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 the advert I saw said, Delroy Lindo of The Five Bloods, and I thought, that man's had a career. He has had and a I career. And I know The Five Bloods was a great movie, mm. but I mean, if you get it, Delroy Lindo of Ransom. Yeah, there you come go. Come on. That's how you do it. Child Jonathan Majors. So I've done this throughout the entire episode. I haven't called them their names. I've called them by their actors' names because it's easier for me to remember. Child Jonathan Majors is eating dinner when evildoer and client of the world's worst Hollywood agent, Idris Elba, shows up to kill them all. So he does. But he leaves the kid alive. Fast forward a few years and Majors has spent his life taking taking down the gang responsible and there's only one remaining person. It's only Mr. Elber himself. Majors assembles himself, a little gang, to finally take down Idris and his many cronies. So there's a lot riding on Jonathan Majors, a relatively small name, especially in this film with great actors. Uh, he is basically the future of the MCU. They're relying on him because he's obviously playing... He's Kang the Kang, Conqueror, Conqueror isn't he? Kang the Conqueror, which is going to be a multi... He's going to have multiple roles now. So he's what is kind of like the framework of the next the MCU. The Thanos. So there's going to be a lot of... So there's a lot of pressure. So what are you asking? How does he do playing... Um, sorry, so this is the first time a lot of audiences are going to see him as a main actor. So how does he do? He's a bit bloody good. With a calmness and effortless ability to throw down whiskey, whisper a badass line, and even flirt with the equally talented Zazie Beats, Major shows that he's a great leading actor. It's also good to see Idris Elba come out of a film with dignity again. <laughs> this truly talented actor has picked some awful films in the last 10 years, but he's perfectly cast in a role. He's he, he really good in a role. You can say he, he loves it. So he's better in this than Cats. Audiences were concerned by seeing Idris in a hat again, but I can confirm that there is no cat arsehole and the performance is good. 
The problem is that he is overshadowed by the frankly inexplicable Regina King, who was a delight to watch as she menaces her way through the dusty environments, and Lakeith Stanfield, who is fast becoming one of my favourite actors, and he's brilliant as this unhinged... Um, so that's the gang. That's Idris Elba, Lancaster, and Regina King. And I'll be honest, mate, I was on the villain side because they were cool. Mm. I really liked this. Uh, the plot is pretty bare, bare as the bones of a dead bird left in the hot prairie sun. And while some characters' backstories are fleshed out a little more, it doesn't work. Again, the runtime of the movie is a factor, but there was still a lot of enjoyment to be had. Some of the director's choices were rather irritating, random slow-mo, over-the-top edits and cuts. It's going for kind of like a spaghetti western type thing. I read some reviews calling it Tarantino-esque. Uh, I still had fun with the movie and would re-watch a number of years, even, it is, even if it is just a reminder that Idris Elba wasn't just in Cannes. <laughs> and that's a, that's a reminder we all need. And this movie also stars David Wayne's Jr. It does, but, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Jonathan Mayers, I really like it. I don't know if you've seen Lovecraft. Like, I've not. Yeah, it's, that's brilliant. And Regina King, if you haven't seen uh, Watchmen, like, what a, what a show. You can't find it anywhere. It's not it, on oh, anything. It was on, it was on Sky Atlantic for a yeah. while, but it, that, yeah, Lakeith Stanfield, I've, you know, he's... This, he's Amazing. So this film has got a lot of riding on it. So it opens with these people were real. Mm. Uh, this is fictional story. So the storyline doesn't exist. However, all the actors are named after a famous uh, Western black character from the real world. It, it plays a lot because it's basically, it's a predominantly uh, African-American cast, but it's trying, it's, it's, it's message is something that will be lost on me as, as a white man, but it's like Westerns obviously forgot, you know, the golden era of the Westerns, there weren't black actors in them you know, just, it like, takes, removes them from history. Mm. So it's actually got purpose as well. It's well thought out. Got no problem with this. People, I think it's fantastic. I really like the spin on things. Why not? It mm. works. I had a very good fun with this. And I don't know if I was overhyping Idris Elba. So last few weeks, I did a review on Dune very quickly. And as a joke, I said, David Batista is the best thing in it. And I realized people haven't seen it. David Batista is barely in it. <laughs> and my favorite, my thing about this was I wanted more Idris Elba. <laughs> and, he was very good in what he has, but it's nice to see everyone having fun. And a mm. film that matters, you know, it means something uh, to the director. You know, they wanted to tell this story because it was passionate. You know, they believed that something wrong had been done. They wanted to fix it. I, I really liked it. I got into it. I don't like the, the slow-mo is irritating at parts, but do you know what? I'm moaning about slow-mo. I'm not moaning about the performance. The plot line wasn't great. However, I loved what well, Zazie Beats is fantastic in a scene where it's Zazie Beats and Regina King. Do you know what, mate? I was very happy. Mm. I was like, everyone else can fuck off. I'll have, I'll have a cameo from Lakefield Stanfield, some Idris Elba in the background, and I'll be fine. It was a good film. Longish runtime, but do you know what? I didn't feel it. Yeah. I was having fun. It was a good film. I'm going to watch it. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. I hovered on it the other day, but I was on the Jolie train. Yeah. Still, uh, I did, mate, and ignore it. <laughs> I, I will see it, though. It does look good, and that cast is, is pretty solid. Oh, and sorry, as we're talking about the great man at the start, Delroy Lindo was fucking phenomenal in this. Mm. He's really, when you watch it, You'll be amazed. I've, sorry, I'm a big Regina King fan, which is why I mentioned it, but I forgot. And it's the first uh, Western Daryl Lindo has ever been in it. And when you watch it, he plays like the old sheriff. You'll be like, well, he should have been the old sheriff in everything. <laughs> he's he's really good in it. So I'm just going to finish this week with, um, obviously, there's Spider-Man mania going on at the moment because the new trailer dropped. Yeah, there is. And it's the first time ever, I think, that there's been a, a worldwide countdown to a trailer because this, this is the big thing. Like The marketing was, for this movie is is on point. Which is weird because the film doesn't need to sell anything. No. Do, you, do you remember when you told me it was like there won't be any? I don't think if there was if there was just a time, if the trailer was just a time, I think it would still mm. be the most watched video of all time. 
It is, uh, you know, 50 million views, I think, in the first three hours. It was something ridiculous. And they had screenings in cinemas for just the trailer. It was you and me as well, because we were both football two at that time when it came oh, out. It you were crazy. feeding the animal, and I just couldn't, uh, you were feeding the babysitter, and I couldn't sleep. Yeah, <laughs> so. so I watched it when it came out, and, and it doesn't uh, disappoint you. You can clearly see that Sony have pulled away any Garfield and... Uh, Maguire scenes in it that you know you've got to pay premium books to see them for on well, screen they, they've all denied haven't they all said oh not in it but it's it's the worst kept secret since yeah and there's also the, uh, the the Brazil trailer as well where you see lizards get punched by nothing apparently because they've CGI'd uh, one of the Spider-Men <sighs> out so there, but there is a scene at the in the end of the trailer where there are three villains flying at one Spider-Man you're like there's clearly going to be three Spider-Man in that shot when we mm. see it um, but no it's worth saying that that is a phenomenon in in world in cinema history that a trailer has got that many views like more people have seen that trailer than the film apex which it's is a sad state of face that <laughs> but, um, i bet you i bet you bruce willis has seen the trailer more times than he remembers being in apex. But there's a, there's now obviously this spiraling out of control is the rumors about spider-man and who's in it who's not who might be the sixth villain in the sinister six that it looks like that they're, they're playing and it seems that every website has got a different uh, take a different exclusive the scoop mm. but the best one that i've read this week from multiple sources is not actually about spider-man it's about <gasps> doctor strange 2 which is going through reshoots and there is a rumor yeah. that hugh jackman is on set doing a wolverine no entrance into the sony mcu universe yeah. no no, and now it's don't get it wrong it's don't not, tease it's me, not coming it's not coming from a reliable site and hugh jackman's uh, social media, he does not have sideburns in the videos that he's posting. And clearly he would if he was, you know, you'd have to grow them. Mm. I don't think he'd... Velcro them on. <laughs> yeah, and, and, or CGI moustache. Who would do that, you know? <laughs> Only someone who's wanted to kill their franchise. <laughs> yeah. but there, there is this, um, there's this idea that that rip in the universe that you see in that trailer when Doctor Strange is like, I can't hold it. Um, the people are coming through. Um, well, why would it just be Spider-Man villains? Why? Yeah, they, 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 this could be the X-Men uh, entrance into the into the MCU, and it could be Hugh Jackman as a cameo. The problem is, though, you can't tease just a cameo and then recast him. It would have to be Hugh Jackman, unless they just don't go down the Wolverine storyline. Mm. But that so, is, but they wouldn't, though, would they? Because it's fucking money. It's like one of the most popular. Comic- well, no, because if Hugh Jackman's Wolverine comes through for a limited time, that does mean that there would be a. There would be our there'll be another Wolverine in this universe because you've got a Tobey Maguire and an Andrew Garfield. Oh, that's true. So that it could be a they, they see this guy with the claws and then they're like, so if there's one there, there must be one here already, and then that'd be the segue. But regardless, it's that that rumor mill is. I love a conspiracy, and I get I've you know, and I read them. I'm like it's fucking clickbait, but I'm still I'm a slut for it. I'm going to do it. Still baited, but it is you know that. But Doctor, so something has happened after this uh, trailer, this Spider-Man trailer, which is causing reshoots on Doctor Strange Two. The likelihood is they're bringing someone in that they hadn't put in the film previously, and that is exciting because it's pushed back Doctor Strange's release for a month. Yeah, we said that, didn't we? It's, yeah. it's, pulled, it's pushed them all back as a result as well. It's big, man. I think this could be the biggest movie since Rogue One for me. I think it's probably going to be the biggest masterpiece since Apex. Mm, that's that's bold praise. Um, I'm 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 too excited to the point that the problem is Aaron. The problem is you know me, babe. The problem is at some point there's going to be a fever pitch, and what I think you know you've 50 million views in three minutes. That's nothing compared to what's going to happen at the start of December, and mm. it's nothing compared to the 10th of December when three days before launch people will be killing people for tickets you know it's going to be the midnight release is i went to midnight release of, of the bond film and it there was three screeners and they're all pretty empty mm. 
it won't be empty. It'll be loud. It'll be raucous. It'll be like every cinema's dream. It's what the Odeon is, what Ritz or any cinema you can think of is what they are waiting for. They're waiting for packed houses. This is the film screen. It's going to be fever pitch. Why would they want to bring that down? It's going to be, surely it's only going to lead to disappointment. That's my problem is, is when all these people start thinking, when it, you're not going to please everyone. It's the Game of Thrones conundrum. Yeah. People, have, people have thought about it in their head. It was a better example. What was that MCU, the first TV series? WandaVision. They whipped themselves up into a frenzy with all their theories and everything that when it came out, they were all disappointed because when you choose on this, it's like, just be careful. I'm well, Deep the, down inside the child, me so giggly and happy, but I've decided to be like, yeah, I'll, I'll see it. Well, WandaVision, the rumours was that Cumberbatch was going to come into the end of that movie mm. to segue into Doctor Strange 2, but actually they reshot that to take him out of it, to bring in, you know, to save that storyline, which is, you know, whatever. Because also that wasn't supposed to be the first MCU movie to, uh, TV series to come out. Hawkeye, I had no interest in. And actually now all of a sudden I'm like, well, the other three have been surprisingly brilliant. Loki being my favorite. I thought that was wicked. You know, I love the purgatory Wizard of Oz storyline that that had that I really do want to see now Hawkeye against all odds. I'm thinking, fucking hell, it might be actually pretty good. And it's going to have a reveal in it, that another piece of the MCU puzzle that I'm quite excited to see how it all slots in. But there's something about this movie that is, I think in a big, big way is going to set up something huge that's going to about to happen. And if it, and if it is, if it, then the other thing is, there's too many characters in it as well to, yep. to get, and I know it's two and a half hours long, but you know, I, I, I think we will get the free Spider-Man in the last scene. Yeah, so do I. They will come through at the last minute. Because yeah, why, why is it, why would only villains come through the rift? Good guys would as well. It's yeah. not like, it's not just going to suck through all the bad guys. Also, you've got to make them wait. You've got to make them wait. Yeah, yeah, the movie's not going to open with it straight yeah. away. But um, no, man, I just thought it's worth putting on the radar. If there's a Hugh Jackman rumor going around, I'm like, oh, fucking hell, I just want to see it. Because then, you then you're going to start getting the Deadpool thing, aren't you? That's true. Because now... Well, Deadpool's the only one they've officially announced, isn't it? Deadpool, there is a Deadpool, isn't there? I think there is a third one, yeah. But there is... I think we in the last... There's been a shift in the last five years of, you know, people saying, oh, well, we'll never get an X-Men movie because it's owned by this company or whatever it is. And then, you know, now, you know, Venom, Spider-Man, all this stuff is starting to happen. Marvel's bank balance is so big. I think they can just buy any fucker now. Well, it's funny you should say that because I was having a conversation. It was like, what is left for Disney to do? Surely it's by DC. Because the crossover that every fan wants is is their own crossover. Mm. You know, they want to see X-Men versus the Avengers. But but the crossover for people who aren't fans of comic books is, I really would like to see Iron Man beat this shit out of Batman. I'd really like Superman to decimate. That's the one that you really want. So Just versus. Just versus. So at some point, Disney's just going to go, Fuck it. Mm, <laughs> Buy DC it. and just have what you want. Mm. And I don't want any build up. Like if, if Disney were to buy, you know, I think the problem is it's owned by Warner Brothers, which is also a huge company. So that will probably never happen. But Disney buy Warner Brothers. I don't want any build up. I don't want like 20 stories. I want the first thing to be I'm Amber Spider-Man. <laughs> That's all I want. The, you know, the conclusive evidence that there is a God is the day that they try and sign that contract. And just a giant hand comes down from the sky. No, <laughs> you can't have too many toys. You know, like, yeah, it, it's it's insane, isn't it? They, they're just a powerhouse, and they will gobble anything that that makes money. But also, um, we like to put out a cracking trailer as well. <laughs> the trailer is really good. I'm really excited. I really don't want to be. Is. So, so I saw this. Oh, the parallels of seeing uh, what's it? Zendaya four. That's like Gwen Stacy. And yes, yes, that is exactly. It. We get it. And people have even like. 
oh, the hand that reaches out is the Andrew Garfield glove. It's not, you know, Garfield's re- redeeming himself by catching her this time. And it's like, there's all this. And I'm like, it's probably all true. Let's just stir the pot. I want to see this movie so fucking bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm hyped, man. Next week, uh, Lord of the Rings. It's it. We finally stopped. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. Three uh, Goliath movies you know, to talk about in, in next week's special. So uh, don't forget to subscribe. You'll get that episode as you'll get all our episodes for free in your inbox. New episode each and every week uh, on a different movie topical theme this week. Uh, anything going into the vault. So greatest films of all time. No, no, I'm sorry. There's not. And that's no. disappointing. No, Eternals oh, no, was good. Good interrupted if I'd watched it. Yeah, if we had to watch it. So we had to have seen it. Anything and, if going that, in- and if that thing's on Netflix, then I'll watch that Taking Lives. Taking, check out Taking Last. It's not going to go in the vault, but it's a good movie. Um, anything going in the pit, the worst movies of all time. Apex. Throw it in. <laughs> all right, that's our show. If I don't see you later, good afternoon, good evening, good night. Goodbye. <laughs>